you're rolling up Uber black Cadillac High heel boots and a sexy body full of tats Baby's bad, oh baby's hella bad After her there ain't no coming back Wanna take a run at that I think she's feeling me Turn it up a few degrees My imagination of her body gets the best of me Oh gosh, she's such a tease Big lips, bruised knees I'm addicted to her, need her touching me Cause she got a bad little waist And we tearing down this place Off the liquor that we chase Got some egos to the face Baby, I don't need no space Coming closer for a taste And I'll show you how I make everything Thing just fade away cause she's like sex, drugs, cocaine, body so insane Jealous of the clothing that she wears up on a tight frame All game, no shame What is up? going on what is up going on see yeah i got nothing today what's going on everybody happy wednesday <laughs> welcome to the live show we have mr denver we have mr fat boy bob What's it's gonna up? be a great show i'm looking forward to this and Cesar penance is in the house so we are gonna financially break him by making him buy camera gear this is going to be an epic show <laughs> oh just wait till i meet him in a harley dealership next month and you want to see him go financially broke that's well, he's going to make you buy a 131 then. That's the problem. Or a 130 I'm, done or whatever we're calling it this week. I'm going to make him get a spare. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, he would need one. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, also, um, we are doing the Custom Dynamics giveaway for the two roadside flares tonight. We're going to probably do that about 8.30. So, about a half hour. So, yeah, the gang's back together. This is awesome. So what's going on there, Mr. Fatboy? What's new? What's happening? You know, nothing much is going on right now. I'm super excited to be here. And, you know, this is pretty much going to be the highlight of my week, to be honest. I'm so sorry that you really should set the bar <laughs> way higher. I mean, I don't. Uh, it's not It's not the highlight of my week. It shouldn't be yours. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome, man. I'm really glad we... Uh, we had a chance to finally sit and talk. So I guess let's uh, let's start as we always like to do. Let's uh, give us the elevator pitch. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Do you like show tunes? Whatever you got. So my name is Fatboy Bob. I have a YouTube channel, Instagram. I'm pretty much on all social medias. And I do pretty much everything motorcycle-based content. I do everything from reviews to test rides and also long-distance hauls, moto camping. You name it, I do it. He doesn't look fat. Trust me, it's all in the beer belly. Uh, it's all in the <laughs> angles. Um, and what else do I got? I am based out of right now, like Roanoke, southwestern Virginia area. Okay. And I have recently moved up here from Florida, so I am very much enjoying the mountains instead of the northeast, south, and west Florida. Um. And I listen to all types of music, but when I'm ready to rip it through the mountains, I definitely put on my heavy metal to help me focus and start ripping through it. Oh, so where are we going for heavy metal? What's your, what's your, so let's just go hard from the beginning. So what is, you're on that perfect stretch of road, you're jamming, what's the go-to jam? What's the song that like just gets you in that zone? Um, pretty much anything, five, uh, five Finger Death Punch. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Little Ivan Moody, I love it. Yes. Nice. <laughs> I would love to go through his house. It's like a fucking rock and roll museum. It's. I would love to go through pretty much anyone that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's house because the amount of crap that they have just laying around their house that you know is worth millions of dollars just to be able to breathe the air they breathe. I could see that being interesting. I've seen a deal. Some people went through his house. The, some of the collectibles he has, I mean, from all different genres of music and years and god just watch it's like it's fucking amazing the stuff that he has in his collection 
That's uh, yeah, I could see that being cool. So what? Uh, so what's in your stable, sir? What are you? What are you rocking? Oh yes, the real big question. I guess that is the truth. Why must that's a true come question? To a motorcycle. Because then we're channel. gonna do more carry about your camera gear later. But we'll get yes. that out for like the other people here. <laughs> Uh, so right now I am riding a 2021 Harley Davidson Road King special. I am nice. in the middle of a performance bagger build. I'm trying to build that out. I'm trying to price everything out and that's eventually coming. Um, I started out on a, I pretty much bought every single one of my bikes new again. Don't recommend doing that. I was stupid. Um, I started out on a 1200 iron and then went over to a fat Bob which is hence why I got the name Fat Boy Bob, Fat Boy, ran a Fat Bob. And now because the Fat Bob broke, I had to get a Road King special because I like to do my hundreds of miles in a single day riding. Very nice. So what's your uh, what's your current record? What do you sit at in a, in a longest day in the saddle? Um, longest day in the saddle was 1,600 miles. Nice. Damn. That's some serious miles. So talk about that. Where did you where did you start? Where'd you finish? Um I started in Miami and went all the way up to Pennsylvania. Nice. So that very was nice. A little bit hurtful, needless to say. Now um, how close? So sixteen hundred miles in what, like twenty two hours? Twenty one? I did it pretty much in twenty four hours. Okay. <clears throat> that's was, impressive. Uh, that's really impressive. Pretty much nonstop at that point. I don't think I were you running from the law? I mean, was there anything <laughs> that possessed you to do it? Um I did it to simply get away and I realized I tried to, to get there leave at a really fucking early time and try to get there at a really good time too. Just wanted to keep it time based. That was my worry. Just you know. Now, was that something that yeah. you had planned out, or did you just get on your bike point north and go, well, screw it, let's go? Kind of both. I was like, uh-huh. I think I was going to visit my parents, so I was just like, oh, I'm going to go visit them. And then I was like, oh, I'll take the bike. And I was like, oh, let's do it in a day. So kind of like a, oh, I want to go see them, but eh, let's do it real quick. I That's like an impressive it. freaking haul. Yeah. Now, what was what was your previous jump before that? Like, what was your milestone before that? like 500 <laughs> that's a serious uh, oh that's great push yourself can i do it you know test the test the limits physically and mentally i mean and that's also part of writing you have to figure out where your limit is and i've definitely figured out where my limit is now and that is definitely my limit but you're never going to know until you actually try it you just Very have true. to know when that limit is and have to say to yourself, okay, now I need to pull over and find a hotel, which I wasn't afraid to say and do. Which is good. Mrs. Monkey's in the house. Good afternoon. Good evening, Mrs. Monkey. You're the reason we're all here. Well, no, I guess Always. we wouldn't be, but you know, she's our biggest, we're our biggest fan. Um, that's a hell of a, <laughs> yeah. Cause I want to say our jump from was like three to 400 to 700. And you're going like you're going almost triple of that. That's that's really impressive. Uh, again, that's why. And I did the 500 on the Fat Bob, and so I was like, "That's that's pushing the limits on that bike." And so from there, that's when I was just like, "If I really want to go farther, I need to get the Road King." And so that's when I did it on the Road King. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, Brian, I'm going to take a time out. I got to go congratulate the newest motorcycle rider in the family. Okay. Well, you come back. We'll talk about that. All right. So I'm removing you, but I'm putting you back, buddy. Don't worry. You're not banned yet from the show. Yeah. That he knows of. <laughs> so how much planning went into 1,600 miles? Um, There was a little planning that went into it. It was pretty much like the day before that I kind of decided I'm going to do it on the bike. And that was when I like literally went, okay, I have these points. I fill up at this amount of this amount of miles and I want to do it in this time frame. How much time I, I go this fast? How long do I have at each gas station to keep it within this amount of time? And that's pretty much all I did. And nice. I know like certain States, it's a lot harder to find gas stations, i.e. South Carolina. Um, and so from there, I just said, let's, be real careful going through South Carolina, find a gas station. If I see it, if I start getting low, pull over, get it whenever I need to. But any other states, I kind of just was like, oh, I'm getting low. Okay, I have 50 miles. I'll wait till I get down to 20, and then I'll start looking for a gas station. Yeah, th- that's the one thing that I found when we had the Intruder 1500 was the bike before this. I think we'd get maybe like 130 miles out of the tank. It was a really small tank for a big bike. And I was constantly like, when I hit halfway, I need gas. Like it, it, it can't be any other way because the gas gauge, you know, it's 2001. It's inaccurate. Um, yeah, I think that's a safe way to be because so many people want to push it because they're so worried about time. Well, if you run out of gas, you're done. So yeah, you have to balance the risk or reward. And so like for me right now, I know I can get from where I'm at all the way down to South Carolina. With on one gas tank, so I don't need to fill up any other time. So nice. that's a nice thing for me to know if I'm ever going back down to Florida, which I will be in October again. But that's the one thing that I really separate whether it wasn't a Harley and you couldn't do things to it in the comfort level. That was the number one thing that bothered me with the intruder was that you couldn't get on it, you were constantly thinking about gas. Like, I, I think mine gets like before the tune was getting like two thirty a tank, let's call it before it hits the low fuel. That's a good range. That is a good you know? range. And, and and it's like it's so much more comfortable when you don't have to think about, you know, what am I doing the next hundred miles? Because that rips to I me, mean, that's that flies by on the turnpike. It's frustrating. <laughs> um I know God, what was I gonna say? My, I have feel like I have ADHD, so if I ever just like – I'm going to say something and it just like leaves my head all the time, so ignore me when it comes to that. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Whatever. Wait, we don't. Uh, it's the day I'm having. I'm just this, – this This is good. We're just talking. It's good. Oh, so um, – Okay. The Fat Bob itself, actually, I was lucky if I got over 150 miles on that. So when I was doing like my 500 mile range on that, that was, you know, that's pushing it 150 miles. That's a lot of gas stops for that single trip. Yeah. And so just 150 miles on the bike. And so now I'm able to get, if I'm doing nothing but highway, about 250, maybe if I'm lucky, 300 miles on that bike. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that once you get a bike of that size and capability, how much it changes your thought process because you're not thinking about like, Oh, but if I take this back road for 70 miles, I could theoretically be questionable or, you know, whatever. Hi Winnie. Yes. It's Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting Ty join us. You're the best Winnie. (laughs) Um, 
that's that's the one thing that i love about my bike is that even you know you can take tour pack off you then you have a glorified street glide but you're not limited by range for several things your comfort what you can bring with you like with the road king right it changes your whole perception of what riding could be yep. you know and then i see people show up on these rides with a there you go he just showed up too moto noggin shows up after what was it 600 miles of ride in moto noggin he shows up from upper state new york to the baggers and brewers ride with a backpack on i'm like that's a man that travels like on a sports duress i mean and there's no that bike's no joke but to to push down those a lot of miles a lot of credit I'm just my back is just hurting thinking about carrying a backpack for 600 miles. Yeah, it's um, but you know I think it's 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 also a credit to of what anyone can do if they want to do it. Like if you oh, yeah. if that's I always laughed because when I first started, uh, he did have everything in his backpack. It's really funny when I first started riding. I had a Bergman 400 cc scooter, and people were like, oh, it's a 400. It's You'll never be able to go in the turnpike. You won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do that. I did it. You know, it's like it, the bike wasn't the limitation. It was the ability to just do it. You know, it's, it's amazing what people talk themselves out of. Every person is different, both mentally and physically. So thus, yep. depending on what your mental status is, you can handle a lot more than what you physically can sometimes. But if you are, you know, if you have two hip replacement, two hip replacements, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to do that ride for you. Yeah. And I think that that's what, um, a lot of people miss out on, unfortunately, especially newer riders. It's like, well, this bike isn't as cool possibly, but is this bike going to give you what you need? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, you, you can't look at my bike or, you know, you can't look at a full blown touring bike and then look at a, a low rider ST and go, well, they're just as cool. They are to the right person. Do you know what I mean? But they're not necessarily, uh, there's no one answer, you know, to that. Yeah. I try to see them as different tools for exactly. Jobs. Exactly. ANC, thank you so much for signing up to be a member of the channel. Junior, thank you so much for the sticker, sir. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. You guys are the best. And Harley Fatboy Jr. has a Harley Fatboy. See? So everybody's getting their uh, their namesake in today. <coughs> now I, I think that it's it's important to remember too that that motorcycles are purpose they're purpose driven. You know, it's it's I was surprised how well my bike still acts as a commuter bike, even though it's an eight nine hundred pound bike. Yeah. But it's like anything. Once you get used to it, it doesn't feel like a 900-pound bike. Well, I mean, especially Harleys. Harleys don't feel like a 900-pound bike because they're they're balanced. They're balanced and they're designed well. One of my friends has a um, Kawasaki Vulcan Vaquero. I think that's the right one. Okay. It's, it's a Kawasaki <laughs> Road Glide. That's how I'm going to put it. Yes, I've been on it. I've sat on it. I've never ridden it, but I've sat on it, yes they are not very well balanced at all <laughs> so much higher up and it's like a lot more further back the weight is that you'd think so all you're dipping in it just feels really hard and jerky and then it also just feels like you're lugging behind something yes and so it's, it's very weird in that way I will say this and I'm sure I'll get hate for it and, and I'm only speaking to the cruiser 
side of it, not the sport touring, but I feel like Harley has it down and that's the the benchmark, like the comfort and the ability to, to, to do what you want with it. Because we were talking about this last night. Um, I feel like whatever I put into my bike to make it my own is so much better than the newest thing because it fits me like a glove. Like I love when people sit on my bike and like, this doesn't fit me. It shouldn't. <laughs> it's not supposed to fit you. <laughs> fits me. Hey, humble. Hold on a second. I see, I got your shirt on. Hold on. I want to. Thank you for the shirt, by the way. Sorry, I haven't seen him in a while. I, I think that that's. It's funny when people say that they they're like, "Well, your bike doesn't fit me. It's not supposed to." <clears throat> Unless you're the the the, uh, the poster child of that five foot nine person that weighs the ideal weight that Harley builds bikes for. Which I don't quite understand because they don't exist, but you know, neither here nor there. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, a hundred and sixty <laughs> pound person is meant to be on a like soft tail. And then if you're anything over hundred and sixty pounds, you're supposed to be on a touring bike. Yeah. I think it's really clever when you look at the gross manufacturing weight and they tell you what the ratings are and you're like, in what world? <laughs> This may be how the bike's engineered, but in what world could you really say that that's a practical solution? Hell, I mean, it's, look at Shade Tree Surgeon. He <laughs> rides a free, he's going to go ride a freaking sportser across the Trans America Trail. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's one of those things that shows that if you uh, if you have the mindset that the vehicle is not the limitation by any means. Oh, not even. Uh oh. Close. He has arrived back. We got That's trouble. Right. So what was it like? Is he excited? So tell them what happened today so people aren't getting this out of context. Actually, he's right here. No, my son went Well, down bring him on if the, you uh... want for a second. Okay. Hey, do you want to jump on for a minute? <laughs> he went down and did his... Good answer. I mean, sorry. Course. So he could uh, get his permit right now. Then he has 180 days to go back and take the next writing test and written test so he can get his endorsement put on his license very so nice can go out and start riding maybe this weekend or next week because i hear in washington you got a three-day waiting period to get it put on your license yeah and we're going into a holiday weekend so you know well i mean you what you should have done is made them buy a harley because i know for a good fact you don't need a license if you have a harley they don't they, the police don't even care <laughs> they just see it as their obligation that you're American. Right. It's like you're, oh, sorry, sir. You're an American. Oh, you can ride this Harley without a license. We don't, you don't even worry about speeding. We don't care. It's America. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I think if they pull you over and you're riding a Harley, they should get the ticket. It should be on them. <laughs> yeah. I wish that was my case. I don't, I will say this. I mean, knock on wood, I don't feel like that bike ever attracts attention. Like in, in the sense of like, I feel like when a sport bike goes by, cops, people are looking at it like it's a sport bike, but you could go by at a hundred miles an hour. And my bike doesn't look like it's moving. I'm not crouched in. I'm just, you know, kicked up on the pegs. I don't know. Sleeper bikes. They help. Yeah. True. But how do you get, but the question though is. Oh. <laughs> I got to move the mouse to hit the thing. I was a big. Shit. You need good. tech support, Denver. So how do you make the sleeper bike and keep the exhaust sleeper? How, what's the trick to that? You're muted, by the way. I know. 
Okay. Doesn't look like it. Um, sleeper exhaust. Well, I mean, that really depends on the exhaust, you know? Like, exactly like how I was saying with my exhaust. It really just depends on who's making it and how they manufacture it. So I like can see that. My exhaust itself right now, I'm staying below 2,500 RPMs, just cruising around town. It sounds like maybe a little bit louder than stock. Not too bad. But then if I give it a good whack and I start putting it above 3,000, I definitely have a lot of people start covering their ears. I'll say that much. There you go. You pulled the, you pulled the, uh, you pulled the baffles and everything, right? You no, pulled the baffles. I still have the thing. baffles in. I just removed the cat out of it. Oh, that's right. You moved the cat, not the baffles. So yeah, before we get, so getting into that, what, uh, what is it that you did to the bike? Because that was a relatively new video that you dropped. Yes. Um, so I ended up doing a stage one to the bike and that was just, I came on Facebook, like how pretty much every other good story starts. Um, Facebook was going through. <laughs> Better hold my beer. Yep. <laughs> and at that point I just was like on marketplace scrolling around. One of my friends was my neighbor's buddy was actually looking for exhaust. And so I was looking and I just found the exhaust I have for sale. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a really good freaking price. Like, I'm going to ask him if this is real. I'm like, hey, are you actually selling it for this price? And he's like, yeah, for this price, include shipping. I'll ship it over to you tomorrow. I'm like, hell, deal. Paid it right then and there. Got it a couple days later. Was missing a couple parts. So I just contacted SNS, spent an extra couple bucks, and bought a tuner. And now we're there. So... The exhaust itself is normally twelve hundred dollars, brand new. I yeah, got it for cheap. I got it for three fifty. Jeez, damn, that's a steal. It is a steal, and I assume it was pretty clean. Um, it wasn't when he had it. I was in those in his photos. It looked really horrible, but he actually did all the work for me that I was planning on doing. He already like sanded everything down and repainted it and everything did all the work that I was going to do to it. Very nice. Yeah. Let's say uh, welcome to the monk, the pro monkey nation, Mr. And Mrs. Monkey and the pro monkey nation has arrived. Howdy guys. Just, you know, professional monkey, you know, that guy that got a 131 engine, you know, no big deal. Yeah. The jealousy you know. is real right now. The jealousy is real. <laughs> Everyone watched that video and was like, they sent me a sticker though. So, you know, don't think, you know, I need to get something. <laughs> I jokingly replied. I was like, yeah, well, Harley Davidson called me today, too. I was late with my payment, but it's not the point. They called. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Monk. So proud of you. I think it's fantastic that they're doing that with you. I know I need to hook to up. Show I, need you to get what? A, I need to get a Pro Monkey sticker to add to my sticker wall in the tour pack. You do? Well, if you're not rocking Pro Monkey stickers, I mean... That's true. Yeah, I'm going to build a 132 build. Monkey said it's all about that last inch that matters. So we'll see. That's right. Yeah, that's what she you said. <laughs> we'll do the build out. <laughs> so, Mr. Bob, what got you on the um, – what got you – well, you know what? Let's not get into that because I want to do the drawing at the half hour. We'll do it in a minute. But what um, – so you you put the, you put it on. You took the cat out yourself, mm -hmm. and then you, you, did, you did a tune because you're using the same tuner that Monk has, I believe. You want to yes. tell us about that? I'm using the Gonajet Power Vision, which I am absolutely in love with because of the 100% ease of use with it. 
mm-hmm. it's actually very easy to use. Surprisingly, I thought it was going to be like a complete mess <coughs> buying into a super nervous, but it's super straightforward. And the amount of customability you can do into it, it's exactly like how you have your FP3, or you had your FP3, I should say. Let's not talk about my FP3. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll say other competitor tuners. Other um, competitors. <laughs> your name could be here. But how they have their drop-ins. So you have your single already built maps already right in there, which mm-hmm. is super nice. And then right from there, they don't even have exhaust. So that's not even a worry. It, they just go, is this a two-into-one? And have you done this to your air intake? Cool. Or like, have you done a stage two? What type of, what's the lope on it? And then what's your, and then what have you done before that too? Like what's your okay. type of exhaust? So it's super basic and they kind of form it to that. And then they expect you to run the auto-tune after that too. So, and that's super simple. You then just load up the auto-tune, you run it a couple times, and every single time it tells you how much better the map has become. And I watched it every single time I ran with it. It became 10 to 15% better of a map for the bike. And see, that's what I thought the FP3 lacked. It didn't lack a whole lot of input. It seemed like you were doing some magical stuff and the magical beans went over there, but it wasn't giving you feedback. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. How long do you think that that, um, what do you think that tune process took hour wise? The tune process itself, like the initial one. Yeah, like so you you fire up the bike for the first time. Five How minutes. many hours do you think you spent before you were comfortable with that? With before the I was comfortable with it. Yeah. So in other words, I guess like when when would you say the would you say you put an hour, two hours in the auto tuning it? Oh no, it took me five minutes. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's literally super straightforward. And there's also amazing videos by JP Cycles that go over how to do it. And you just pretty much hit accept of like, don't look at the screen and accept this is going to change my tune. That's it. Okay. And then. Because no one would do that under a Harney warranty. And that's just blasphemy. I know. Well, I am under warranty. So oops. Like, I don't know. It came from the factory that way. I have no idea what happened. (laughs) That's how I bought off the showroom floor. Did it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you just. Then the actual auto-tuning sessions, you just hit start auto-tune. That's it. And then you go right at how you normally would. And mm-hmm. you can save up to eight tunes on there, which is absolutely amazing. So you could have it saved as like a touring tune, a racing tune, or a like high altitude tune. High altitude tune. Mm-hmm. There we go. English is hard today. And then you could also save a like low altitude tune or whatever you wanted to or how I like to do it. You can just combine all of them above. So it knows how to handle any situation when you're riding. So when you take it off, it knows how to handle it. Okay. Very cool. Exactly what I did to it. So I've, I pretty much have no backfire or anything from it. And it is just an amazing tune. I'm, I'm in love with that tuner. Yeah, I, I was um, I was very disappointed with the FP3 in the sense that I felt like it was doing something, and it clearly did something. It clearly tuned the bike better than it was, but I felt like I wasn't getting a whole lot of information. Like, you could ride for 45 minutes to an hour, 
you'd flash it, but you weren't going to be able, at least I couldn't figure out a way easily to go back and say, okay, this is what I've accomplished. Like, am I, have I filled the entire grid or have I just sort of filled it for the way I'm driving, riding today? Um, yeah. So, and I, I could see, I could see the appeal of that. That's, that's definitely interesting. I just, I thought it was odd until you made the case for it of putting it up on the, on the handlebars. To me, I thought that was kind of like a weird, steal me while I'm at a bike rally kind of thing. Yeah. So my question for you about the FP3 is that, can you go back to your like previous tune that you had before too? Like if you, like if you did your auto tunes and like this most recent auto tune, you felt like messed it up. Could you go back to your previous auto tune? Yeah, you could go back. I think I forget how many it stores. Maybe it's four. I'm just throwing a number out there. So you could have auto tune one, then your, base tune that you flashed it to and then your base tune that it brought it from so it puts that initial tune in it and then says okay here's the initial tune let's build from there okay and you can build um a lot of people do that they build um they build a you know like a one-up tune versus a two-up tune like i again it's like we talked about yesterday for me there's no appeal to that but i could see if you wanted it it certainly does it yeah And to so, me, I wanted the easy button. Just push the easy button, make it work. Just want to go out and rip. Just tune it and let me ride. <laughs> exactly. I, I think sometimes you can get a little too um, involved in it. I was talking to uh, a builder the other day about getting headers and getting cams in mind, and he's going on and on, and I'm like, you know, I get what you're telling me, but I don't think I'm going to ever know there's a 1% difference ever. But sure, if that's what you were going to tell me right away, he's like, you need to get rid of your pipes. I'm like, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> what, what's down. the old saying? It's like $3,000 for 50% performance <laughs> increase, but it's $100,000 for the last 1% increase. Yep. Everybody's chasing the, those magical numbers and they're, yeah, they're trying to go for that last piece of the puzzle, which I, which I personally am not a fan of. I'd rather have reliability over. Exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, I reliability think, and longevity. Well, I think that's what monkey was saying about with the crate motor is you, you get the crate motor. It's going to start every time. If you build it out, God only knows what's going to happen. You know, and, and I don't, especially for me, for a touring bike, I want more power. I want better sound, but I don't need that extra 2% that's going to leave me dead on the highway. You know, unless I start doing endos and like, you know, doing trick riding. But if, if that happens, it's a one-time event. It's after it's before the crash. Listen, so I don't think you're sea bear. So I think you're, you're fine. Sea bear. Sea <laughs> bear stunts. Man, that's a name I hadn't heard in a while. And he popped up into my feed the other day. He's, He's coming uh, on in the near future. Oh, wait, we're talking about C- two people. You're talking about Seabear. I'm talking about G-Bear. Oh, I thought you Do you know who G-Bear is? No. Yeah, he's he's been around for a long time. His original channel was Grommy Bear. And he started by riding around with a life, not a life-size, I don't know what you call it, a teddy bear the size of a person on the back of his Grom. And when people would stop him at stoplights, obviously he's filming, he would say, oh, it's a gift for my girlfriend. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And it just became this really like crazy weird channel for a while. That's who I thought you were talking about. That's funny. So who's Seabear? Seabear stunts. Yeah, you got me. Keep going. Nothing. 
Um, he's a stunt he's, rider. Have you seen those videos of the guy on Road Glide doing a whole bunch of wheelies and rolling burnouts through like the highway and stuff like that? Yeah, I feel like that's my whole feed some days, but yeah. 90% of that stuff is him. Is him. Okay. I knew, I know, um, is it too slick? There's a, there's a bunch of them that, that escape me at this point, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you can see a bunch of those with Seaberries doing those in that nice crash ink windbreaker. He's also the guy that he was practicing and he was in the warehouse and he flipped it and it came crashed on his chest. I don't know if you saw that, would that hurt. video. Yeah. I didn't see that one, no. I don't think I need to see that to know it would help hurt. Oh, he was I fine. Just... But you know, just having a whole road glide come down on your chest, that sounds fun, doesn't it? Oh, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> the only thing that I have an issue with that is and I see a lot of companies that are putting money into that. It concerns me when they're doing it on a live road because I feel like it's sending the wrong message. Like if you Got do it, point. if you do it on a closed area, you knock yourself out. But I feel like if you're if you're doing it on a road, it's like you know, am I going to be the guy that's driving my kid to school, and you blow through my car with your Dyna, and and then it's like, all right, well, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, I, it, I don't know. It kind of goes along with people doing photo shoots at going down. <laughs> freeways at 80 90 miles an hour and then exactly. get a wreck and want to cry foul it's i don't know i think there's a i think there's a certain level of irresponsibility to it that it sends the wrong message to the community but i also know it gets views so i'm right. off my soapbox yeah so we are giving away two of the custom dynamics led road flares that we had the contest going for um, I think we've had about, we've only had about 23 entries. So I'm a little disappointed on that. But we are giving two of those away. So we are going to do that right now. Um, how we're going to run this is going to be the random wheel generator. Cause we've learned from the last time how to do giveaways smoother. Uh, and <laughs> we're going to, uh, we're going to draw that. We're going to draw two winners, uh, back to back. And then you can just reach out to me via Instagram. Uh, or I'll reach out to you and we will make sure that that is in the mail for you tomorrow. Thanks to good folks, custom dynamics. So I'm going to try and do this live. We'll see how this goes. All right. So we are going to pull up the big wheel, which is not working because why would it hold on? There you go. So let's give it uh let's go to whirl. Let's get a drum winner. roll, please. Big money, big money, big money, big money. DDKTN. Now, DDK, that means for at least the next five minutes, you can't threaten to shank me. We appreciate your support as always. <laughs> and congratulations. But, you know, there is a five-minute cooling off period after you win to try and shank me. All right. So we're going to remove DDK. Thank you so much for entering. I know that I know it doesn't maybe mean a lot to you guys, but entering that and having that engagement, that's a relationship with custom dynamics. I'm proud to have. So I really appreciate them helping us out. So we're going to hit it again. Who we got? Who we got? No whammy, 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 no whammy. Mike will bike. What? I wonder what Mike does. Oh, he bikes. Uh, <laughs> or he will or he will now he or has he's riding light. out he wills no before excuse. he bikes exactly but no guys thank you very much um 
your support and, and that kind of stuff is what drives the channel and gets uh, people to work with us. So we really do appreciate it. Uh, Cause we would be nothing without you literally. Right. Um, so thank you. And just shoot me or I'll shoot you guys. And I am tonight or tomorrow. And um, yeah, just to remember DDK, it's a five minute hold. You could lose your prize if you shank me before the five minutes. So just, just behave. <laughs> That's all I ask. We're all friends here. Um, DDK is in a uh, big shout out to he's in the uh, baggers and brewers discord. And if you haven't joined their, their community, you need to, they have a really solid community. They turned out a fantastic ride this weekend through the Jersey pines. I would have ordered weather less than, and it wasn't a hundred degrees, but it still was a great time. Hey, at least it wasn't rain. Yeah. It was a lot of really, really good YouTubers in there. So it was a, it was a good time. Nice. So awesome. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Thanks again, guys. You, Mrs. Monkey, wanted an autograph. Oh, stop. Flattery will get you everywhere. It's in the mail. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you have to wait for my calendar. Once my calendar comes out, Mrs. Monkey, I'll get your first edition copy. <laughs> Every month will be signed with a heart around his birthday. Bikes and Bry. Is, is that the name of your autobiographical? Well, it's it's a side hustle, you know. Sometimes you got to keep the side hustle separate from the real hustle, you know. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> you know, I mean, Junior did that. You have to look up Harley Fatboy Junior's uh, little dance that he did on Instagram. It was pretty. Uh, he did the magic mic dance, and then he fell off the the uh, the stool. It was perfect. I think I saw that. Now that you say that, <laughs> yeah, that it was, was uh, freaking hysterical. It, it was. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know he did it, and I'm like scrolling through my feed in the morning, and I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, what in the living hell is he doing? Because <laughs> you didn't get that it was a joke at first, and then he goes flying off the stool at the end, which made it perfect. It yeah, was good really stuff. <laughs> so actually, uh, Fatboy, you also made the comment earlier that you enjoy uh, moto camping. Oh, yes, definitely. That's actually Like with I, bugs? Yeah, with bugs. All right, Denver, can you just talk to him for a while? I'm going to be on. No way, dude. <laughs> Moto camping is a shit. It's fun. So what, what's kind of, you know, your little, uh, what kind of setup you got for it? Um, I have like a two-person tent that I keep that literally fits in like this big of a little bag. Um, little tiny air mattress <clears throat> and a little tiny pillow that both fit up about this big. And I, I'm very minimalistic. I like to take, like, the bare minimum. I'll bring some, like, fire starters, but then I'll bring, like, a little pack-up saw, cut my own wood, cut my own everything. And then whatever I absolutely need, I'll bring it. So, like, I don't know. Like, I just keep everything as minimalistic as possible. And then... Good night, Bill. If I like I'm to, I will also go hammock camping, which is, in my opinion, some of the best camping. But that also is very dependent on weather. Yeah, well, I mean, it is dependent on weather. I mean, I got a nice hammock with, plus, you know, the full rain cover tarp over the top, and it does have the bug net, too, which is which can be nice. Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, hammocks are also going to depend on, you know, your area where you live or, or what you're doing. Some areas like, me, you know, maybe down south, hammock camping really ain't going to work for you, but it is a nice setup because it's so small to pack up, too. It's I mean, there are some of these easy. new tents, but, yeah, hammocks are a ticket. When I was living down in Florida, I actually always carried a like travel hammock in one of my bags just because I would pull over on the side of the beach, find a couple of trees and just lay out um, in front of the beach with my bike and just enjoy the views. 
I like All right, it. I, don't, I need it. We're going to take a segue. We're coming right back to you camping, but I have to see if this is going to work because I want to see if I can share this video because if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Hold on here. Here comes the embarrassment for Hurley Fat Boy Jr. Oh, no, no, no. He should no, have no shame in his game. Not for this one. Hold on. <laughs> we just need it one more time. Oh shit! I mean, he's got that smoky look in his eyes. He's he's come to he's lady. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, entering the stage, the man you love, Harley Fatboy Junior. He's uh he's he's special. I like. He practiced. Him. Oh yeah. You know, you bring up a good point. How many times do you think you practiced that? <laughs> How many? Do you think he was like showing it to camera? his? He's sending it to all his homeboys. Like, what do you think of this move? Is it the steal? Is it the fire? Like, you know. What do you oh. think of take 15? But in take 30, did you see the knee movement? Yeah. Well, Denver, in all fairness, he has both our numbers. We probably should be bit glad we weren't part of that. <laughs> hey, guys, could I get your opinion on a video? Yeah, oh. what's up? Oh, jeez, I need to see that. Oh, man. That's it was too epic. funny. That was we're we're a great community. Yeah. Yes, Mrs. Monkey, that is me every Friday night. Don't judge me. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Friday night, Katie's birthday is coming up. We are going to do a special live stream. Not this Friday. It's coming up uh, June 10th. We are going to do a live stream. Assuming we're not stepping on anybody. That, uh, yeah. That's going to be one you're going to want to not miss. That's going to be, there's going to be alcohol involved. It's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. Might if you could bring a chicken this time, Costco Denver. Box. <laughs> yeah. I will be bringing my bourbon to drink alongside you guys. Yes, Can't please. Have the Costco box wine ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't, yeah. Yeah. We, we don't let her in the box wine anymore. That was a mistake. It was good for views. It was bad for my the rest of my weekend. But, uh, yeah, that should be a really good time. So, I guess Bob, now we can now we can turn this into a nerd fest. Let's and you'd brought up some really good points when we talked the other day. Let's talk about the space that's YouTube. Like, so let's I know we got way, way deep. So Bob actually threw me off my own video call yesterday. It was really funny because we wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> um, I haven't had that happen and I really appreciated it because I would have never gone to eat. Um what got you into the space? Like what what was there what made you decide that you wanted to, to become a as you say a creator and i don't mean that derogatory i know that that's a term that's dear to you so yeah. let's talk about that like what what made you decide that at this day and age or this time you wanted to become a creator so i actually wanted to start it way before i did and okay. i guess the only thing that was holding me back at that time was just looking at like Oh, there's all these people. There's all these channels. What is going to separate me from everyone else? And I kind of just had to take a moment and go like, that doesn't matter right now. If I just want to start it, I need to start it. But my whole purpose of wanting to actually start the channel was kind of just to share knowledge that I myself, as I'm learning, I want other people to know too, mm -hmm. because I actually haven't been writing very long. I have only been writing since right before the pandemic. So I've only been writing since 2020. Well, um, then you couldn't have written 600 miles. It's all a lie. 
<laughs> Lies. It all unfolds. But that's so, awesome, man. Congrats. And so another part of that is like, as this has been evolving, I've been trying to make my channel more along the lines of like, yeah, I'm doing all these cool things that like I like to do. And I think it's really important for me and fun for me. But I also tr I'm trying to be the person that I wish I had when I started writing because I didn't know anyone. I didn't have anyone. I didn't like know exactly where to go. Like, yes, there was Yemi Noob, but there's only so much that he does in his top 10 videos. You know what I mean? It's I'm trying to be that person of like, okay, cool. Like you're wanting to get into writing. You can go into a simple parking lot and you can do these really simple things and you spend 10 minutes and you will actually be probably twice as good on your bike as when you first started. I think that's good. So, so where do you, where do you feel you are on that journey? Like, do you feel that you're developing at a pace you're comfortable with? I mean, did you, did you find that, I know what I'm trying to say and I'm struggling today. Do you feel that what you started out to do is still evolving to that or did you have to pivot? It's both. It's, it's okay. very much both. I am, it's still going in the direction that I originally wanted, but as of right now, and we were talking about this yesterday, mm -hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure that this is, that this is the direction that people are wanting it to go. Like mm -hmm. I'm happy to make videos that people want to see. And like, I've noticed like all of my test rides and review videos are way up here, like yep. immediately skyrocketing. Everyone loves that. But then a lot of my like, if you're wanting to improve your writing, no one cares about their writing. Everyone thinks they're the best writer in the world. <laughs> when, if, when in fact, if they tried doing a 10 foot radius turn, they would drop the bike. Like they're, they don't know. Point. It. <laughs> they they don't <laughs> admit they're a bad writer. It's like a flow chart. Can't make a U-turn, but what headers do I need? Yes. No, and that's, <laughs> but, but in all fairness, right? Like that, that's, that unfortunately is probably the reality of it. Yeah. And so I like, I love teaching people. Like my father was a teacher. My mother was a teacher for a little bit. My sister's a teacher too. So like all of these things, like it's kind of been in our family blood to be teachers and help people teaching whenever we can. And so I love doing that, but not a lot of people like being told they're wrong. <laughs> sure. So a absolutely. I'll do the videos people want to do and I'll make the videos I like. And I'm trying to find that middle ground right now. Well, I think, you know, what you touched on is, I mean, everybody thinks they can ride, but when you try to get, you know, a little bit more technical, like you're talking, you know, 10 foot U-turns or turns, you know, practicing in a parking lot. I think people feel, you know what? I can turn off the side road onto the highway. I can go down the highway and go A to B. I don't need to worry about that. And I, I think that's a, a big part of a lot of that. And then, I definitely agree with that. But then my counterpoint is when a car pulls out in front of you and you got to put it to your scraping on the floorboards so you don't yep. hit that car, are you going to be able to make that turn then? That's a valid point. Yes. And, and that's, you see that all the time with the group rides, right? Everybody wants the big ride in the group ride, but they've never done it before, but they didn't take the time out to understand how, you know, basic road communication works and so forth. And I mean, that's, that's, but, but that, that also gets me into the burn of our industry is that not all dealers and it's, you can't paint it with a broad brush, but 
I would suggest, I would think at least 50% of the dealers, you could walk in with a brand new wet license like Denver Sun and buy anything. And there's no, there's no like, well, maybe we should talk you off the ledge here a little bit. You know, it's, it's, I think as an industry, we need to do a better job. I will say. Yes. A newbie in a column ride is scary shit. It's, yeah. All I can think of is the Forgotten Angels massive ride that I did with that. I think there was like 300 bikers going over to Forgotten Angels, and there was definitely some newbies, and it was definitely scary. But that's where you also have to figure out where you're comfortable with and knowing where you want to be positioned in that. So for me, I like keeping an eye on everyone, and I also always carry like a good first aid with me. So I like being in the back in case shit hits the fan. I can help. I can pull over. I can stop. I can see everything that's happening in front of me, and I can help if I need to. Yeah, true. <clears throat> but but I also think though it, it's it's a hard sell too because, and I'm not a professional in this, in my opinion. A lot of times people think, well, I should go to the back, and then they get accordioned out because they're following people that don't have throttle control, so they're just constantly, you know. Or, I mean, throttle control, or also, I mean, as we said a minute ago, you got people that are new and nervous, so they're going to be, you know, backed way off from the next person. I mean, you're going to have a 20, 30-foot gap in there, and, you know, and you'll see it a lot in group rides. I mean, I had the same thing, you know, when I, the ride I went on for, you know, the charity ride this weekend. A lot of the guys, you know, you could tell who was experienced, and you can kind of tell the people that were a little gun-shy, a little nervous, because, you know, it, it's not, they're backed way off. You're kind of out of the formation a little bit. I mean, but, you know, at least they're riding in their comfort zone also, which I think isn't a bad thing. And it's, you know, there are a lot of those rides where it's more, <clears throat> it's it's nice to have a stagger, but it's also nice when people know their limit and say, you know, that's not me. I'm not ready for that. I'm going to, you know, hold back a little bit. And this is my comfort zone. This is my bubble. And, you know, I, I think that's also a smart thing when people also understand their limits. Yes. And I, and I think at some point the responsible thing, that, well, not at some point, you need to know that if it gets too bad, you just need to be done. Yeah. And you yeah, need, be and to, you need to accept that. We, um, when we did that ride through New Hope the one year where the cop dumped his uh, road king, I just turned to Katie. She's on the back. I'm like, get off and find a cop car. We're not having this discussion. I'm like, it's a police escorted ride. They'll take you back with us. They know where we're going. I'm like, there's just that point where you've hit a limit where it's like, if you're going down and I don't have anywhere near the skills that you have, we're out. <laughs> there's just, you know, I, and, and I think it's a shame because I, I think people don't know to uh, walk away from it. Moto Noggin has a great story. He did the Baggers and Brews ride this weekend and somebody's headlight fell off and almost took his whole bike out. Oh, Jesus. I, yeah. Talk about a new way to be seeing the, to be going towards the light, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, that's, um, wow, that's got to suck. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. And, and to Monkey's point, too, there's going to be people that, you know, one per class that aren't going to pass. There were people that passed my PA safety class. I don't know how they passed. I mean, I was like, this is the scariest thing in the world and you passed, but you know, I guess it all comes down to somebody's perception of what's acceptable <laughs> going to the light. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that also gets to the thing too, that you're doing a group ride with people that may or may not have went over their bike. They may not have checked anything. They may have not done their, their T clock or, or any of that. So, 
you really have to be constantly prepared. Like when your headlight falls off, that's a pretty big deal. I did hear, and I may be wrong, and somebody that was on the ride this weekend chime in, somebody lost their side bag too because they had the older style that what the 14s had for two years because that's how long it takes Harley to figure out they did something stupid. <clears throat> they had the little push twist, so you pushed it in and it, it barely turned, like not even. Cam lock. Yeah, and they'd since replaced it with the one that has the deep screw in like we all have now or the, the newer bikes. <clears throat> and somebody was saying they lost their bag and it, it, it you know, you're going to kill somebody doing that. Well, I don't remember which Harley it was. My dad, one of, he bought one of his new ones on skinny Bob had it. Okay. And, uh, the dealership delivered it to his house. They're unloading out of the trailer. He goes like 200 yards up his driveway 300 yards down the road and gets goes to get on the main road and the fucking saddlebag fell off. It was brand new from the dealership and it bounced down the side of the road through a corner. It was brand new off the showroom floor and wasn't put on correctly. That's and that's what I'm saying because when I got that, <clears throat> I was petrified to take my bike, my bags off to clean them because I'm like, this isn't going to hold at some point it's going to fall off. And then of course, you know, the guys in the part department are like, Oh, it's an easy fix. It's only $65 for the right part. But <laughs> you mean the one that should have come from the factory? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I'm trying to think like, how would, uh, how would that go over? Right. Like how, how do you call the dealership and be like, it fell off and it was your fault. You know, they're never going for that. Even if it was it fell the fuck off. You guys ready for a story time? Oh, yeah. oh, are we ever? I'm actually uh, going to grab some more water. Give me one second. You can talk amongst yourself. Okay. I'm going to I'm sorry. It's not normally like back. me. But we need a wood break. You go ahead. A water. Um, <laughs> so, you remember how I was saying earlier I had to sell my Fat Bob for the Road King? Yeah. I The whole reason why I had to sell the Fat Bob was because I had major engine failure four times on that bike. I had that bike for maybe just a little over a year and everything was under warranty at that point. I had that bike for, let's say the first month I had it. I ended up having my tapper tappets and lifters crack and shatter Jesus. on me for no reason. I didn't ride it for a week and I came back to it and it was making a horrible noise. My tappets and lifters cracked and shattered on me. The second time my pistons and my cylinder walls both cracked and shattered on me. God damn. Yeah. Um, that was about four months after that. I'd have been then, down right there. Oh, I was livid. It was like right at the time when the, the dealership was closing. And I'm like, listen here, I am sitting on the side of the road. And this sound, the thing sounds like a weed whacker smacking a fence right now. Like it is not supposed to sound this way. And so they came and picked it up. They looked at it and they went, yeah, um, you need a whole new motor. I go, well, fix it. <laughs> um, that was in the shop for, I believe, 90 days. Because they were trying to, yeah, 90 days because they were trying to fix it. And then after that, about a month after that, my compensator failed. It blew up. Oh, Literally shit. blew up. And so I had to get a whole new primary. Whole new primary internals. And so that was in the shop for 45 days. And then after that, finally got it back about three months later. I was leaving work. It was my last day of work down in Florida. 
And actually, no, this is, there's one more time. It blew up another time in there. I'm going, listen, what the hell is happening? Again, it was in there for like 45 days. And then my last day of work, it blew up again. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why is it doing this? And so then they finally looked at it and they go, oh, well, it has to be here for a while. I'm like, listen, I'm literally leaving the state in two days. You're expecting me to like do all this stuff when I've already had to spend $3,000 on a moving company and a down and like a deposit on a rental and stuff like this. Like you guys have no say here. My bike has failed how many times within a year? And yeah. needless to say, I left a with a new bike later on. Come to find out that when they first had to redo the primary, they put in the drive shaft improperly. So because of that, it kept putting extra torque on the compensator, thus breaking it. Shit. So that oh, dealership. Yeah. yeah, I needless to say am not very happy with that dealership. I'm not going to call out names for them. You mean there's bad dealerships? I don't believe that. Oh, I, it's not even just the dealership. It's the whole company that owns the network of dealerships. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting in any any product line how much a dealership experience can make a difference. I've gone into a couple Indian dealerships. Sure. They won't even talk to me. And I'm and I'm literally holding a helmet in my hand. I'm like, huh. Okay. Did you see my Seal dealership video? I don't recall. I don't believe I did. I went to go do a couple of test rides and I literally called them. I was just like, hey, I want to do I have a YouTube channel, yada yada yada, throw my pitch. I was like, so I'm not looking at buying a bike, but would you still allow me to come and ride a couple of bikes? And their GM was just like, dude, we'd love that. Come by started talking with them once I got there and they were all in. I had probably the best experience in a dealership in my entire life. They nice. treated me like I was God. And even the owner came up to me, met me. I got a tour of everyone in the back. My camera just died. So give me a second. <laughs> See, and this is why I've tried to say, explain to sets or pendants why you go full frame. There's never an issue. This is full frame. The battery. I know. Died. That's where I'm joking. He uses something called an M50. It's something APC something. I don't know. A lot of words. Is that an icon? No. Oh, he uses shit. Canon. He he uses <laughs> Canon like a big boy. He just didn't get the big boy camera. You know what I mean? It's oh. like it's kind of like he bought the he bought the Sportster. Yes, he has a, technically is a Harley, but you know. Ah, okay. All right. All right. We're still on the fence with him. Do we lose them? We've lost them. No, we have webcam utility going on now. Please stand by for technical support. I was going to, yeah. See, there's nothing wrong with the M50. I just like giving sets or penances, you know, because, you know, when you get to my level of YouTube, mind you, this isn't my camera, it's works, but you get the R6. Look at that. I mean, just look at that's a thing of beauty right there. That's just Yeah, well, when you're at my level, Bri, you get this iPhone. And if you if you with the right mount, you can attach it to your head and you wouldn't <laughs> believe the cinematic look you get when you're riding. Oh yeah. I'm thinking about trying that out for this year. I want to try something different, so I'm gonna shoot four K with a you know, full frame camera. I think it'd be nice. 
Yeah, bring something hey, a little different. Start a new trend. Denver, we've never had a guest leave mid-show. I think we might have a problem. I'm here. I'm here. I hate it. Oh, uh, We're only messing with it. you. Don't worry about uh, it. We're just having some fun. And next week on the channel, you know, stand by. Yeah. I mean, he was really doing good until we lost him. What would have been really great is if we were halfway in the conversation. He's like, you know, Brian, the reason I use an M50 and then it just died. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oh. Professional Monkey uses a pocket rocket to film. I didn't know that. I perhaps may have read that wrong. My apologies. Right. DGA pocket. That's a, that's a cool little camera. Do you know why Monkey brings his camera with him? Because it's not out allowed. It's not out allowed by itself. It's not out size. He has to bring it with him. See, it's a, it's a, it's a, oh, forget it. There we yeah. go. He's back. Again, have to do my stupid work around because apple's silicon let's we we never talk bad about the apple um <laughs> i worship at the altar of steve jobs and i will not allow that on my channel you can you know you can make fun of me you can tell I'm, me i'm fat tell me i ride a geezer glide but we're not talking about steve jobs trust me i love my apple silicon it's just <laughs> Other companies aren't prepared for Apple Silicon. Well, and that's that's always been the issue, right? With tech, is if you if you remember, was it the iPhone 3S was my first iPhone. It was great. It was a fantastic phone, but nothing was out for it. So mm -hmm. you were always behind the curve until it caught up. And I know the M1 with Adobe screams. I mean, it's just I'm loving it. Absolutely ridiculous what it does. So. That brings us into the segue that we will financially break sets or pendants and I'll be getting bad calls. But let's talk about the gear you use because, you know, Monkey and those people want to talk about motorcycles. I want to nerd out because I was in the AV club. So, you know, so what? let's talk about your creative tools. So what do you what do you use for your channel? Oh, God, what don't I use? Um, <laughs> Three hours later, he's still going through the list and I got a wheel and a bag. Um, so my main go-to is for my non for my non-writing stuff. I have a Canon R5, which is full frame mirrorless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love that bike because I'm out. <laughs> um, um, full frame mirrorless, and then after that, I also have a Rode VideoMic Pro. Microphone on top of that really helps with that dead cat, which for people that don't know what a dead cat is, it's literally just the fuzzy thing that goes on top of a microphone. It literally looks like a roadkill of a cat. Um, so Denver, if I'm translating a dead cat's like a live cat, but it's dead. Hey, Bri, I had the road mic for my, the lightning for my iPhone with a dead cat. Oh yeah. It was funnier if you didn't. All right, fine. You, yeah. Sometimes the jokes are only funny when you play along. That's right. But see, I'm, I'm sorry. So I here we get my game away. a little bit. Come on now. Okay, fair enough. So you, so you got the you got the dead cat, which no cats were hurt if Pete is watching. Oh, the dad jokes are real in this episode. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> um, well, and then from there, I am then running the GoPro Hero 10. I'm running that in. Do you want me to go into my settings or no? Oh, let's just go off. Oh, let's, let's see how fast we can kill the entire chat. Just okay. no. 
So I'm running in a complete C log three, completely flat profile. I'm running it in gamma bit profiles so that way I can get complete color profiling and get as much depth as possible. I Wait, you're have... talking gamma bit on the R six though. You're not an R five. You're not talking on GoPro, right? I'm talking about on R five. Yes. Okay. And then because I was like, wait, there's settings I didn't know about now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that allows me to get as much color depth as I need to, so that way I can shoot in like pretty much any situation, and it can looks absolutely amazing. It just helps bring like a cinematic quality that I like, and I have a background in to the channel. Um, so Denver, what is your thoughts on C log one versus C log three? Do you have a Do you have an opinion? I, I prefer five because I, I have the uh, beta version. <laughs> C log goes to eleven. <laughs> No, I had the beta version, Brian. Yeah, you don't have it yet. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> here you go. We already lost the Monkey Nation. Any, anybody want to talk about my 131? Please? Cams? Anybody? Well, okay. So I will... I, I'm I'll sorry. You, you now... Bring it I'm down. sorry. Bring it down. Um, I'm also running GoPro Hero 10. And I have a... I used to have a Purple Panda microphone. But it's... <laughs> I wanted to burn that thing and bury it 20 feet under because I hated that thing. I always got so much popping from it, hated it. And now I have a, another microphone that I think is amazing, but it's only like $20. So I just, I've had to buy it at that point. I heard people talking okay. about it, tried it. I cannot remember it. I have a video out on it. Um, Which uh, did you get? Because I bought one that replaced the purple panda that I think sounds better too, and I don't. It's the one that has the two piece. It's the short, and then it goes into the uh, the connector. It almost looks like a gamer mic, but it has a connector with it. I don't have that. Mine's okay. Mine's, mine's a normal lav. Okay. Um, and then I also have a GoPro Hero Eight that I use for like my B camera to set anywhere that I need to. I have a suction cup mount that i like to use and then i also have a clamp that i can it's like a c clamp mm -hmm. that i can attach anywhere especially good on the handlebars and i like that more than the gopro one because the gopro one you have to like lock and stuff for it to actually work this one you just twist so it's really good for test rides and reviews because i can just grab it and put on any bike and easily comes on and off at that point um i also have an insta 360 x2 so 360 shots help me get interesting angles, interesting things, which I accidentally, when I was doing my pipes, I put it down a little bit too low and actually started scraping the ground. So that was a fun mistake. Yeah. Have a corner completely flat. Now. Oh, um, oh, shit. Yeah. It must no have looked really good on video, though. It, did, it looked really cool, though. <laughs> um, also, um. What else am I running? Um, I'm also running a, a couple drones. I don't own any drones, but I also just have a couple drones that I have access to through work, um, which are DJI Mavic Mini Air 2, and then also the DJI Mavic 2 <laughs> Zoom, which I love that one because I'm able to use Zoom, which was in a recent video I did. And as another technology because i see moto not can comment on it i have senna in my helmet because everyone that I was riding with also had senna and i think it sounds good and works good for me okay it's interesting how that uh i don't care what anybody says about the mesh thing you're either one of two camps and everybody's <laughs> just like if my buddies have this i'm buying this it doesn't matter we're just sticking with a brand 
Um, and then lenses. I have 35, 85, 50, 24 to 70, 14 to 24, 70 to 200, and I has also have an 8 to 15. So how much money do you think you've spent on all that? You running, you running all two eights or fours? Two eights. Um, and then my 35 and 85 and 50 are 1.2s. Actually, 1.4, sorry. Okay. I think we should take a moment to uh, realize that Setzer Pendence is probably now in cardiac arrest. And he's, he's probably realizing his life as he knows it is over after reading that. He's probably taking a cold shower after that gear list. So, yeah, to Denver's point, Denver, sorry to interrupt you. What no. uh, what do you think you have invested in your – if you want to talk about that. It, we're not – I can. Um, so going back on my background, I'm actually a professional photographer and videographer. Like mm -hmm. that's what I do for my living outside of YouTube. So a lot of that has bled over. Oh, which is good for you. Yeah, it has helped. But like GoPros and drones and stuff like that and, and, and 360 cameras never used before. So like all that stuff I've had to like and microphones, certain microphones I've never had to have before. So like there has been investment into this, obviously. I've probably okay. Are we counting the R five because I did have a camera before this that I was happy <laughs> with just for photography? Hey, whatever you want. Oh, go just on. What did you have before it. this? I had I'll a five D Mark three. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so then you had EF glass, and did you convert your EF glass or using RF? I'm using I'm I'm using the adapter, which I like because I have the variable ND adapter. So I don't have to drop any NDs on the front of my lenses for the cinematic. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is absolutely gone said. Um, so if we're including this camera, I've probably dropped in close to about eight to ten thousand dollars. I mean, you yeah. When you figure anything with two eights, at least two bills, especially if you're well, at least the newer RF is. I don't know what the F market's like, but yeah. Oh, well, I mean, if we're including like my lenses and stuff too, we're talking probably close to twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, but then on the on the flip side, I mean, that's how you make a living, also. Exactly. So, so but I mean, just in YouTube aspect, I probably invested probably close to about eight thousand dollars. Okay. Well, and, and I think Denver brings up a point too. Like when I shot photojournalism, I lived on two cameras. When I shot sports work, I had a four hundred two eight and a seventy to two hundred two eight. They were they were money lenses. And four hundred. Oh my god! Sorry, that's where I'm geeking out. I'll tell you what, <laughs> that lens was magical. And the only thing that I didn't like with that lens. Now understand, I the shot weight? for a well the weight. But I also shot for a smaller paper. So we covered <laughs> peewee oh, football, monkey. things like that, like it was a religion. You show up with a 400-28 to a peewee football game, and you're like, okay, I'm that guy. I'm not trying to be that guy, but it's what I got. Why is this you know, man taking pictures of my children from so far away? Yeah. And why is this lens the size of a small child? Weighs the same. Little, does, little do they know that's where the child goes. Every... Everyone needs to purchase a six thousand dollar lens and then think to yourself, you know, this could get ugly if I get hit. Have you seen how expensive they are now? Oh, they're ridiculous. They're I mean, like $12, I was thousand dollars. I think when I left full time photo, well, when I left photojournalism, 
I switched from Nikon for to Nikon for the last year, and I had a D three, and I want to say used the four hundreds were like four K, probably close to five, and now it's just ridiculous. Like it's, but but you make an interesting point, and for a lot of people that are starting out with this. I don't think that people realize how much investment long-term glass is because I still, I mean, I still had, um, was it my Nikon? My Nikon, I had a a manual focus Nikon 51.2 and got rid of it. Don't ask me why. And we can cry about that later. But like you, you, but that lens was 30 years old and still was tax sharp. And the digital camera that you put it on was half the price in three years. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time it, it's amazing, it, it, and I think it's a shame because people don't people don't appreciate the quality of that. So this camera itself is thirty five hundred dollars at that point. Mm-hmm. One of my lenses is that much. Like it's, but. I've had this camera a lot less than I've had that lens. I've had that lens since the beginning, pretty much mm-hmm. since my photography, because it it still works. It still focuses really well, really fast, and they just hold up. They they last longer. They're the bigger investment. That's why you spend all that money on that investment, which is the hard part. With like, I'm trying to tie this back into YouTube, which is the hard part with like GoPros and stuff because there's so much more technology based. Mm-hmm. So when you're going and buying your GoPro for your helmet or something like that, you, you really do have to buy the latest and greatest. Most of the time, I should say most of the time you do have to buy the latest and greatest because there's just a huge jump in the quality and what they're able to do. Like if you look at, we're talking about hyper smooth, we'll go with hyper smooth. You look at, original GoPro and then you go to hyper smooth 4.0 right now with, or is it 3.0, whatever it is. Um, it's just, you can like shake it like this and it doesn't mm-hmm. move at all. And then they also have the auto like horizon leveling too. So like you can tilt it up to 45 degrees and it still keeps it level. So I could be doing this and everyone just sees a perfectly normal picture. Like that's crazy. It's and that's the thing that I don't really enjoy. Um, I like the GoPros, but I, to me, I find them frustrating. I find like you know, if if you get a if you get a, a a mirrorless camera of any capacity, what you can do with it is like so intense. Um, man, monkey's trolling me now. Um, I think you can get much more intense with it. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me try something. So, monkey, just to put this, this is a twenty-four to one hundred five f four. So, in Harley terms, this would be like a one hundred seven. The two point eight would be like the one thirty-one. You know, so just you know, it's 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 one seventeen, one seventeen. The twenty. Yeah, it's only a half. 70. It's only a stop. Yeah, it's the true. twenty-eight to seventy-two point zero is the one thirty-one. Oh, That's don't even talk point. about that. I got an iPhone, <laughs> which. I have talked so many times about on my channel. There's nothing wrong with starting on an iPhone and even using an iPhone if that's all you have. Because honestly, 
if you're not if you don't want to go into the heavy editing and you don't want to do the crazy stuff iphone makes it so easy to do everything i mean like for myself i got the a gopro hero 7 and i got my iphone that's what i use yeah i i used to use my phone because i was waiting for my camera and i was just like i got I got tired of using my phone because I was always running out of storage. I was always this, 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 and that. I always found too many things that bothered me as a like actual videographer. It felt like it was hindering me. I wasn't able to do super slow motion. I wasn't able to color grade it well. It had like too much sharpness for me. No, taking pictures is not wrong on your phone. I still, everyone takes pictures on their phone. I'm already getting stabbed again. Well, enjoy your light, DDK. I really appreciate it. Well, no, and that's where I was going into it. I know we were going to go into the weeds, and we can come back because I, I, I can see Monkey cuddled up with his blankie, and he's passed out because we're boring him. But um, <laughs> now he's going to – oh, you son of a bitch. Now it's turned bad. <laughs> um, just everyone, stay tuned oh. Sunday for my new video, Five Reasons Why I Hate Professional Monkey. <laughs> I'm sure I'll def- definitely be shanked after that, but the views and the money that Kate will make will be worth it for my number Stay tuned for Monday, Rise video of how I became a fan of witness protection. Yes. <laughs> how I'm living on the road as a nomad. <laughs> I, I, the video opens up with me wearing the no club patch, the no uh, the no shirt, uh, no club, no wool and wolf patch. You should reach yeah. out to As the Magpie Flies. She'll tell you some good hiding spots. Yeah. She. <laughs> monkey dude monkey the problem with that video it would be like the roy video the only person that would get it was a joke initially would be roy and then i'd be getting hate mail (laughs) oh that took me so long to figure out that was a joke i want you to know that that took me forever to figure i said to him i said look i'm doing this video it's a joke just please give me your blessing and know me that you know me well enough that anything i say is not going to be net you know what i mean it's funny it's meant in and he was like oh my god do it and it was funny i was getting complaints from people like did you watch the chat replay he's literally replying in the chat replay (laughs) oh that was good five oh how about five reasons how professional monkey ruined the 131 is this the death of the 131 that would be a good video for him to do i ruined my 131 no i need the views (laughs) He reviews a rock and gets more views than my whole channel. De Beard, what's going on, buddy? We were just talking about your ride, De Beard, being a great ride that they hosted to the Pines. I can't wait to see that video. It was a really great time. <laughs> They're talking cameras. It's awful. So going back in here, we'll start using uh, bigger words for those that are already struggling to follow a point. That was sarcasm. Don't flame me. Um, so what would you say as a as a as a YouTube creator, take the professional side out of it as a, as an entry level YouTube creator, if you were to get a set of gear that you wanted to start your channel with and you wanted to learn, you wanted to be a student of the game, where would you start? I would say nothing actually, which sounds very counterintuitive. Start with whatever you have because by okay. just doing it, you're going to learn more by then saying, I need to get this and then I'm going to be good. I'm going to, I need to get this and then I'm going to be able to do so much more. If you're able to learn how to talk to a camera, if you're able to actually form cohesive thoughts in front I'm of out. the camera, if you're able to 
just come up with like creative ideas for your videos, that makes that is like 90% of what actually goes into a YouTube video. So if you all you have is your phone, use just your phone and talk about your bike. That will that will be so much more and get you that much more comfortable with being in front of a camera. And then once you're starting to get better practice at that, then look at other things. Mm -hmm. Because that will then allow you to then reach further and do more things how you wanted to. But you'll be that much more comfortable when you have those new tools. So you're not trying to figure out that new tool and also trying to figure right. out how to talk to a camera and do all this other stuff. I, I think that that's solid advice. I, the one thing that I found for me was really sit down and justify why you need it because, you know, people go and they buy a piece of gear for that one thing they're trying to emulate. And then they put that money into something that they're never going to do again. Or, you know, I have a, I have a gimbal. I love it for my cameras. It's fantastic but I've used it like four times. It's great when you need it, but nine times out of 10, you really probably didn't need it. Let's right. see if that's a Ronin that puts you at like, what, like $150 each time you've used it so far. Yeah. <laughs> so during the pandemic, so let's, let's nerd for a second. So during the pandemic, we were doing a, um, a, a, a people that know this, that I do video work for food. We were doing these grill shots because they wanted it was during barbecue season. And we I kept flying the gimbal in and out as the, you know, the the lid comes up off the grill and it looked really cool. They never used it. I'm like, I was that's great. That was my own money too. I'm like, you bastards. <laughs> but to your point, I think sometimes when you watch a Peter McKinnon, you watch a potato jet, we get lost in the idea of what we could do rather than doing something that's more engaging. Mm -hmm. Total. If you watch note. Peter McKinnon, people get lost. I mean, the dude is talented. You know, I mean, Casey Nyquist. I mean, it's their their work is freaking amazing. But it, it, there's so much money spent into it, and you know, a lot of fucking skill and time and talent and just trial and error. As a total side note, Potato Jet's the one that got me into motorcycles. Did he? I love his channel. So, but hey, Brian, dude, uh, Fat Bob, it's been fun, but I do got to jump off. I got dinner. I got to get up at 1.30 in the morning to go to work again. Okay. So, do me a favor. When you sit down at dinner, just ask the family, so what's your thoughts on Boca? Just throw it out there like it's a, you know, just throw it out there as it's a word. You know, <laughs> tell them you learned something in class today. Right. I thought you were talking about Boca Raton for a second. No, I was talking about the Boca. <laughs> the Boca. Oh. Denver, right, thanks guys. so much. I appreciate it, hey, buddy. No, tell your son fun. for all of us. Please tell him congratulations. It's a pleasure, man. It was. Actually, I'm gonna I gotta I'm gonna shoot you some answers. I got some questions for you. Dude, so. I'm full of answers and I try to help. No, as much as I okay, can. Denver, just here, I can answer one for you. No. It's a lens cap. It's hey, Brian. <laughs> see if you take this. <laughs> Fuck off. Wow. I'll miss you too, buddy. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hell was that? That was an uh, aggressive leaving, aggressive statement. Well, I didn't want to talk about this, but now he's left. The problem is he lives in Seattle, mm -hmm. and he's he's a little unstable. It's all the shrooms. It's all the shrooms, man. He's he's on a spiritual mission and stuff. No, I think that, and all kidding aside, I know we can nerd out all day, but I, I think that that's good because 
that's one of the things that I knew George from Baggers and Bruce talks about is that you can, you could certainly build your channel, build, you know, buying a red, but if you're, if you're using what you have to its limits and more importantly, this is my, again, this is only my opinion, but more importantly, are you using it to the return that you should be getting? You know what I mean? Like I could buy a, you know, an R6 or anyone could buy an R6 and R5, whatever. But if you're not getting the return out of it, is that the best investment for your channel? You know, maybe you could start somewhere else. Yeah. That's just it. You have to use something to its fullest and be limited before you have to find the justification to look at something mm -hmm. higher. Like I was saying beforehand, I was using my phone as like my walk around getting talking head video stuff because I didn't have a camera that had autofocus during mm -hmm. video. So I was using my phone. It was simple. It was easy to pack away. That was amazing. But my limitations, but my limitations came from what I wanted to do to it after what I needed to gather from it how my like editing process was hindering me during that point. And also my storage, like I would constantly be running out of storage on my phone because <laughs> it's on your phone. You are taking pictures and stuff already, but then you have all this other stuff that you're trying to get the best quality with. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard too, right? Because you, the, the best camera to own is the one you have in your hand when you need it. But oh, yeah. at the same point, there, there are, there are certainly limitations when you, for certain things, when you go to a real camera, you're like, we talked about this last night, going from my XA11 camcorder to a pro level, to an entry level pro level camcorder to a R6 was night and day. Like the R6 works the way my brain thinks. It's a, I wasn't fighting with it the entire time. And it's interesting if you get the right tool, it's much like a motorcycle. See monkey, I wrapped it back. If you get the right tool, then the tool works for you rather than you working against it. We don't want to be like that guy that's going, climbing up the mountain and, and doing dirt bike track tracks on his street glide. Yes. We don't want to be like that guy. You can't well, if it wasn't it, my but... street glide, I'd try it. <laughs> I'm sure that dude doesn't have any nuts left because he smacked them too hard from the amount of times. <laughs> it's the million dollar bogan approach. It's my bike. I can do whatever I want. Uh, it's too funny. Uh, and I think that it's, it's really, uh, I think it's really, interesting because we had talked about this like with the youtube thing so as you built your channel for, forget the technical side of it for a moment where do you think that your time was best invested as you as you progressed your channel i know you said you had to pivot a bit or you're thinking about pivoting where do you feel if you look at it from a start like obviously you have to just as Think Media says, you have to punch fear in the face, right? You have to punch fear in the face and say, "We follow all the same people." I want it. you to know that. No, we all do, right? <laughs> and which, which in, which in itself is the problem, because everyone's watching it, going, "If I make the five things I hate about my motorcycle, I'll get X," or if I make the reaction video or the whatever. And I think that as creators, we get sucked into trying to emulate 
what we know and everything that we know has just been regurgitated, right? Like, cause what, what are people going to tell you when you start a YouTube channel? You got to post consistently. You have to have a thumbnail. If you miss a ye- if you miss an upload, you're going to die. Your channel will burst into flames. Um, you have to, you have to be telling people to ring the ding and ring the dong and all that stuff. Like it's the same thing perpetuated over and over again. And I feel like there's, to be someone different, you have to stop listening to the noise. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like, I don't, this is where I'm going to mention professional monkey. Because, oh, here you go. And I'm going to be inflating the ego. I already know. No, wait, but, but please. And he's respected in the motorcycle community. You need to address him as Mr. Professional monkey, sir, with the 131. That's his new title. So. Okay. Mr. Professional yeah. monkey with the 131, <laughs> sir. Um, <laughs> Him, I I really do. You got to ring that dong. Yes. Um, Ding the dong, baby. His channel is so different from a lot of other mm-hmm. content creators, especially for motorcyclists, because what 95% of his content is him in his garage, a one take with uh, the DJI osmo i think that's what he was just saying it was yeah or his or his phone whichever one he's using but or he's entertaining like that that's the point <laughs> but it's so different and how he does it is his own so to go back to your original question as i'm tying that into this also <laughs> read um, his answer <laughs> but you still make it entertaining <laughs> And so that ties into the thing of that you were asking me beforehand, what is going to be the number one thing to where, where you should spend the most amount of your energy when you're first starting off is how to actually be entertaining and talk. Because if you're able to work in cohesive sentences and build energy and be entertaining in front of a camera, you may be an interesting person in person, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're entertaining when it's just you and this little piece of device that you're talking to that has no soul. So learning how to do that makes the biggest difference in the world. That's why shade tree surgeon is very popular because he doesn't like, he does some interesting things and he does some cool things, but he's just entertaining as hell to watch because he has this extreme personality of a Florida man, the Florida wizard living in the swamp. Um, and then the same thing with professional, Mr. Professional monkey with the one thirty one, sir, (laughs) (laughs) why he's so entertaining because you can tell he's so authentic in front of the camera and he's rambling on about all of his thought process, but it's a very cohesive thought that it all makes sense. He has a direction and he, gives a point to where he's going so he knows how to talk and that's the biggest thing that most people need to learn to do Mm -hmm. that was a very long way to say learn how to talk to a camera well and i also think too and when we talk about everyone replicating or uh, another style is that i don't I'm not a tech guy. Anybody that follows this channel knows I'm not a motorcycle guy. I could figure it out, you know, by talking to some people and doing some Google, Google keyboard searching, but 
I'm not a motorcycle guy. So my channel comes at it as more of I enjoy riding and I enjoy doing reviews. That's what I enjoy. And I think that if you're genuine to that, you don't you don't have to be a shade tree surgeon to. I feel like a lot of people are worried that they have to have that over the top personality where they have to have something where the authentic them is so engaging to watch mm -hmm. rather than trying to be a duplicate of somebody else, like the sham wow guy kind of approach. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, I just haven't heard sham wow in a very long time. No, but you know what I mean? Cause you, yes. you um, I don't know. And we're going to go way out of the genre, but anybody that's watching this, I need you to take five minutes and research this. So there's a gentleman by the name of Sean Ryan. He is an ex-Navy SEAL. He does his own podcast. It originally started with him doing interviews of people in the military. He started now branching out to doing more of things that are about politics and so forth. Doesn't raise his voice when he talks. He's like, you, it's like ASRM. You could listen to it at night and fall asleep to it. But because he's so engaging in his conversation, it's interesting. Mm hmm and, and I think that it's to your point, if you're, you need to find your groove mm -hmm. and like monkey says, and I joke with him, he's heard me say it, Like if you, if you, if you, if you told me Harley Davidson was coming out with a rock and you started reviewing it, I'd be 15 minutes into it even before I realized it was a rock because I'm just engaged in the presentation. I'm engaged in the authenticness. And I think that a lot of creators get caught up in seeing what the, um, I don't want to say this in the wrong way because it, it, I got to be careful with this. It's one thing to emulate someone or to try and pick up their style. It's another to ride their coattails when it's not authentic, right? Like to be a member of this community and not be an authentic community, a member does two things. It calls you out eventually as a fake, which ends bad and you're not helping the community grow. Do you know what I mean? Like, Moto Noggin is a classic example of this. And I mean this with a thousand percent respect. He went on his first live and there were like three people and he kept doing it. And now there's 40 people. And now there's, you know, 30 people. Now there's 50 people, but he put the work in to do it. And he wasn't trying to like ride anyone else's coattails to build his brand. He allowed his brand to become authentic. And once it became authentic, the community then accepted him. Mm-hmm. This is a TED talk. I need to shut up. I'm I'm fired no, up. No, I'm enjoying this. But but I really do feel like that's where as a community we go wrong. Like if if I can offer someone help with X, I feel that that's my obligation to give back. Do you know what I mean? Because if I can have a conversation and say, well, you know what, I don't know anything about what you need to know, but I happen to know a thing or two about tripods. I don't know something stupid, right? But if we all give back the community comes up and when the community comes up to me that's the biggest win you know we 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 will never be the um we're not all going to be adam sandoval right i'm just throwing a name out there but we all could be what we want to be by building each other up and and i think that it's so it's so important. And Moto Noggin, I mean that sincerely. And I know we all give each other crap. I mean, not that people ever make fun of my fake motorcycle that I don't really ride, you know, and the shanking me, which I love you guys to death for all of that. 
I think it's really important that if you're going to try and build a brand or whatever you want to achieve with YouTube, that you make it authentic. So you become, you're someone that's giving back rather than asking. You're doing both, right? Because then we kind of all win with that. No, I agree. hundred <laughs> percent. I wish just plastic paid around church is over. I mean, exactly what you said is the reason why I reached out for wanting to <laughs> having gray hair help. Sorry. Got distracted. <laughs> He's a model. Apparently. Um, the reason why everything you just said is the reason why I reached out to you to want to do this podcast. Yeah. And, 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 and yes. Sorry. Go ahead. And so because of that, like, and I also made literally a whole video on it of just like ways to help engage your moto vlogs more. Like, and I, I obviously came out with it in a very aggressive manner in the thumbnail to make it clickbaity, but it wasn't in a way I came out saying like your moto vlogs suck because everyone was like, what the hell? Why does my moto vlog suck? And gets people to click on it. But it's just how to engage people and how to do that. So I wanted to share that because I, I'm a big science person. Like I've, I study psychology. I study yada, 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 tech and stuff just for fun. So like knowing that people only have eight second, like they're only interested in things for eight seconds. I can't remember the exact term. Mm -hmm. Um, attention span they only have an eight second attention span because of that you got to like change things up you got to like make sure you're trying new things and just like throw something else in there just a little bit different so that way they try to stay engaging and yes as i read in the comments you do want to be yourself and that's where yes that and that's is. that's where i think monkey and i uh have a difference in terms and i know my term isn't the right one when i say brand i mean your authenticness i, I yes. we use that term at work is building your brand is your persona your your whatever but yes if you're the true you you can't fail oh i have a t-rex outfit mrs monkey oh now you got now there's my next video idea five things like that suck about being a t-rex harley rider i got this Build a brand self enhanced ceilings on themselves. The only expectation to that is a Fortnite their brand and they are so freaking boring. Watch it anyway. So their brand, as just re replying to that, their brand is literally Revzilla of Canada. Mm -hmm. That is Fortnite. But what they do with their YouTube is completely different. And their brand is education in an interesting way through motorcycles mm -hmm. and they do that through his creative cinematic looks mm -hmm. and so knowing what makes you you and what you like to do that makes yourself what was our original question because i have no idea where we have come from and to get here uh monkey had a 131 <laughs> then he took a nap <laughs> <laughs> then Moto Noah thanked me because I do really like him and he enjoyed the pork roll, even though he almost got killed by a headlight. Then Denver left. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what we're talking about anymore. It's all right. Let's just keep going. Um, so what do you think? <laughs> trying to get back on track now. What do you think is a really 
key aspect for people wanting to start their channel? If I were to look back and do it again, I think I would have tried to put more time on the thing that's behind the camera than the camera. Because I feel like if you produce a video or you produce content and you're throwing it into a space that no one can find it, you're going to get discouraged. And I feel like if you become, if you do what you like, it'll work itself out one way or the other. Like you said, it maybe there isn't a market for X, but if you're enjoying it, you're not going to get burnt out. And if you're not getting burnt out, you're continuing to put out content, which then helps potentially your brand, right? Because we had talked about this the other day and it's my number one pet peeve. Hey, uh, Bri, I just posted a video. So who do you know at Custom Dynamics? They'll send me lights. And I'm using them as an example, right? Like everybody's looking for the, the short win. Nobody's looking to do the work and, and figure out why or, you know, be a student of the game. And I know that's hard to say because if you don't know what the hell you're doing, watching channels like Potato Jet are almost counterproductive at that point. But like Think Media, a bunch of those at least will send you down the right path at some level till you figure it out. I don't even, so going on Potato Jet, I don't even think of him as like a, I see him as more of an idea generator for me. That's how I like to look at him. He's entertaining. He shows you new cool tools, but he does it in a way that just helps me get new ideas for things. He's like, oh, well, we're doing this in this way. And, but you could also do it this way. So like, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I never thought of it that way. So I can try using my camera in this way and get something different. It's just an idea generator. He's an idea generator for me. Yes. And, um, and he's also too gotten to, um, kind of the point for him to do that full time, his channels change his direction too, right? I, I think I, I guess where I was would go with that is find something that you're passionate about and that you enjoy talking about or doing. And if you do, then it's a lot more fun. And it's gonna I think you succeed more by doing the work and doing the work of something you love than trying to put out um, a video that I'm not genuinely engaged in, right? Like if I put a video on the, the death of Harley Davidson, right? Maybe I can pull that off once or twice, but am I, am I bringing out the real me that people are going to see beyond the topic? If that makes sense, right? Because the topic's important, but so is your personality, like you said, or so, yeah. and it doesn't need to be over the top, but if you can keep me engaged for, I mean, 50% engagement would be huge, you know, like I wish if you can hit that 50% engagement about something that, that may be a bit mundane or whatever, you're showing that you've become a storyteller. I think it's um, Mr. B said that unless you hit 89% engagement, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, I would, I don't know. I could do a 30 second video that could get that kind of footage, you know? Yes, thank you for penning that comment. Oh my god! <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> you know so, what? That's what monkey needs to do. He needs to do. What do they call that Chinese thing where they where people binge eat? Uh, 
Nick Avocado Avocado does that where he buys like eight pizzas and then binge eats them and then complains how he's dying the whole time. And people watch that. They do. And I don't, there's, there's no logic there. So I also want to summarize what you said and also kind of things that I've seen professional monkeys say. You want to, sorry, Mr. Professional Monkey with a 131, sir. Um, <laughs> um, that's the last time I'm going to say that. You've earned it. Um, you there want it to, is. You want to make sure, oh, God. Um, you want to make sure you are yourself, and that is very important. As we have been saying, you want to be authentic to yourself or your brand, whatever you're, however you like to label yourself or whatever. But what's also really important is that whatever you're doing has to be enjoyable to you or else why are you doing this? Because it is going to be a long time before you even start to see a penny from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if monetization is your goal, you're in it for the wrong thing. Like, I really do hate to say that because as lovely as it is that YouTube pays us, it's, it's, it's not that much in reality, especially as like smaller channels. It's until it's not like, even as a big channel, YouTube doesn't actually pay you that much. Like I will go to blockhead as an example. There's a reason why blockhead has a shop. He does the motorcycle giveaways. He has his own merchandise shop and he has partnerships because YouTube doesn't pay the bills. Mm -hmm. It helps, but it's everything else that helps support that to give the channel its own basis to help support those other things too. Yes. And, and I think that too, that like you said, if you're into it, if you're chasing the number and you're chasing the monetary gain of YouTube, I'm sure at a level that I may never reach it's at, but I know from my level, the engagement with companies and that, product that you can do the install for or things like that is a more is a larger monetary gain because it's a product that a i wanted because i'm not going to put something on my bike that i don't want i've not reached that point in my career um and i'm not paying for it and then the and then on top of that if i nail it and i'm successful i have a revenue stream over time from that video mm-hmm you know, rather than than um, trying to think like, oh, what can I do? Like, you know, can I stab Dallas face mullet in the face with a knife because he threatened to shank me? Not clickbait. You know, would that get me the views I need? Yeah. Um. So as an uh, as an example of it's more than just the monetary gains. I did an entire interview with my parents, with my actual parents about what it's like for them for yes. me to be writing and they're like almost no one has watched it but i get sentimentalness and i actually got to see more in their eyes of what it's like for me to be writing because again i'm the only person in my family that writes mm -hmm. so what is that how does that make me feel and then there's also people that have commented on that video that have stumbled upon that because that is something important for them to see their parent what it's like for their child to be writing or like how to help them think when their child is wanting to start writing. And they said, this helps me so much because my child is wanting to start writing. And now I'm able to help put troubles aside by asking them to do this and yada, 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 and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like my parents have mentioned to me 
that it makes them feel more comfortable with me riding because I handle my bike better than probably 80% of the people out there that ride that Mm -hmm. like pass their MSF class and that's it. They don't ever go and practice again. I actually study things. I do all this extra work that's out there. So it's that the sentimental and the emotional gain that I have gained from that video and how it's helped certain people in the community that have needed that is so much more than any monetization that I would have gotten from that video. Yes. And I think what monkey just brought up and I'll throw it back on the screen. I think that's another thing that people shouldn't realize or should never forget is they're creating a, a, a memory. Mm-hmm. You know, you're creating that memory in time that in this moment, I will always be preserved as that person. That was the thing that I loved about photojournalism. You can argue it, but it is not scientific. You can never scientifically recreate a moment. You just can't. And that is the the uniqueness and why I enjoyed the job and why I, I, I lusted after why it was so incredibly impactful for me is that I was capturing something that was never going to be replicated again. And if you if you look at your travels like that and you realize that that legacy that you're building can really be something. And maybe it's not for your family. Maybe it's for somebody that just randomly steps upon it and says, oh, well, this person did this. You know what I mean? Because we all, we all, at least I always kind of cringe and I laugh every time Harley has an event. They always show you that ar- that archive photos of the guys, you know, doing X, you know, because they've invented, you know, whatever. We were and the I think first it's, to go off road. Yes, we were the first <laughs> to go 100 miles an hour. Hey, Route 32. Um, I think it's important to remember that you're also building that, you know, for your children, for your family. Like I, I put out a video that was really near and dear to my heart. Wasn't a big video. I've, well, I've put out several at least that connected to people. And that connection to me was more important than what the video did, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I put out a video about raising a child with autism and all these people started IMing me like, Oh my God, I have a child with autism or my niece's nephew or somebody. And I thought to myself, you know, that shows you that you have that reach and that you have to remember. And sometimes that's the thing that drives me is you have to remember that there's still those people out there that, you have that connection with, you know what I mean? It might not necessarily be a um, success, but I think you can, you can, you can gauge success on other levels. Yeah. Because and another way to put that and how I'm thinking is it's not the monetization. It's the community that you build that has. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, effect. <clears throat> There's not a day that goes by that I don't speak to at least several creators in the community. And that to me is everything. Yeah. Because that, that to me is, is the, um, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of YouTube, right. Is being, being able to be part of that and not, you know, I always use the tagline of not, you know, you're not alone. I love that. Like, I love that, a day goes by where, you know, I hear from a creator from here. I hear from a creator from there and you're, we're all going along this journey together. What is he starting now? Hold on. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize there's a bot. Somebody's got to tell me because I'm not looking at the live chat. Hold on. Let me kill the bot. It's the damn Russians are back. So talk amongst yourselves. Keep going. I got this. I'm, a, I'm an untrained, highly untrained professional. Okay, uh, Adam Savage. Where is what's going on here? Who who is who's acting up? Can somebody give me a hint of who we're looking at here on this? Let me see if I can find it. Oh, come on. Anyway, keep talking. You're fine. I'm just trying to kill the bot. Um, they don't teach you this in YouTube school. No, they don't. And so, again, this is also another thing I struggle with, like, because I don't ne I'm still struggling with talking to the camera when it's just myself. So, like, I'm very much a feeding off of other people's type of energy. So when mm -hmm. I'm like, hell, when I first moved up here and I knew no one else that ride, I'm a lot of my videos were hard to make because I'm, I'm, I'm forcing myself to have to talk. I'm like, and I struggle so much with finding that single point conversation and to have a point and yada, yada, yada. But now, now that I'm able to like finally start building and feeling a little bit more comfortable with it, it's, it's getting better, but that's just something I struggle with actually talking face to face with the camera and having a point to where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you struggle with that. Oh, it's, I mean, I can barely keep this shit show of a live stream on a control most days. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard because it's, it's, it's very uncomfortable to talk to no one because you don't get a reaction, right? Like you could sit at bike night and talk all day long about whatever. But when you're talking to a camera, all you hear is the flaws. You don't hear the, you don't get the, oh, that was a good idea, Briar. You don't get the acknowledgement. It's hard. It's it's just simply hard. And and if you do get a del a reaction, it's delayed because mm -hmm. you're talking. And then, like as of now, like Santa's child just just came on screen. Like there's a delay in all the responses. Well, I was I was very against doing live streams for the longest time, and I still I still kind of want to go back to my roots and do the recorded interview because I think there's a. There's a better intensity. That What's that? We don't mention that here. What on the not on the live stream? Where did I mention what? We don't mention not doing the live stream while we're on the live stream. No, 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 no. I'm saying <laughs> what I've thought about is the engagement that I enjoy with the live stream is I enjoy the side chat. But there's also those conversations that I've had with people that I really want to be in the moment. And I feel like I'm doing a disservice because I'm getting distracted by the side chat. So you have to, you have to find a balance for what works. Yeah. And I tried the live, the live streaming. You we were there. I just felt too awkward. I felt like I never had a direct point. I could never get my point across. And so I just, you know, keeping up with the live chat, keeping up with me and trying to have a cohesive talking the entire time. It, it hurt me too much. I was just like, no, I'm, I'm not. It's not for me. I tried it. Not for me. If I, maybe if times change, I'll try it again later on, but not right now. The one thing that, that I do like about it is that if you're doing something, it's just, it's done, right? The live stream is what the live stream is going to be. You know, we've had issues like where my mic's fallen over, the camera's fallen over, you know, you name it. But 
when it's done, that piece of your content that you've put out for whatever, whether it was for your day, your week, whatever, it's done. It's ca- it's encapsulated. It's done. It's not. You're not worrying about editing it post. You're not worried about you know doing the other stuff. So I think in some ways, it helps you push. We talked about this the other night too. Is it better to have perfect content, which I would argue there's no such thing, or is it better to have content that people can consume and you can use to build whatever you're trying to build? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's to me, that's where I think the lives are fun because everybody's watching for something to go off the rails, and it always does. This is where I come and ask you, at what point do you say something is good enough? The creator side of me, um, okay, the non-YouTube side of me will struggle with that shit. The YouTuber side of me will struggle with that, but I won't struggle the way I would if I was getting... I think there's YouTube good enough. And then I think there's professional good enough mm-hmm. because nothing is worse than, and we talked about this too. Nothing's worse than color grading something. You nail the sound where it sounds like they're, you know, you're using a boom. Like it sounds like they're in a, 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 a voice box. And then you realize that somebody's watching it on their phone, sitting in their cup holder while driving down the car in the car. And you're like, well, was that the best return on my investment? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Night, monkey, sir. You know, you really have to, you, I guess you really have to decide what, um, you really have to decide what is more beneficial for you. And I don't think there is a right answer, right? Like, you know, we, we could, we could look at any, um, as a Peter McKinnon, right? You can look at Peter McKinnon and say, all right, he's using these LUTs, he's grading, he's doing all this, you know, short throw shots, he's doing all this. But is that what your standard should be? Or should your standard be using that as the, the pinnacle, right? There's that moment, like when I was doing sports photojournalism, if you were a, if you were one a above the fold, when people actually read newspapers, you delivered that day, right? You mm-hmm. crushed it, but that was the pinnacle, right? That wasn't what necessarily you could, you always are striving for that, but you can't beat yourself up that you just shot a no hitter baseball game and you have nothing to present. Give me 30 seconds. I'm about to piss my pants. I got a piss so bad. I'll no back. worries. We're taking a station ID break. <laughs> Good, you can cover me when you come back. <laughs> so DDK, what are your thoughts? Do you think that the do you think that the live is would you and, and this is to anybody, would you enjoy the interview more if it was more intense and not distracted so much with kind of the bouncing around of trying to juggle? Or do you think that the interaction from the side chat is more beneficial than say a deeper dive interview. And I'm very curious. I don't know what the answer to that is because I know when I was doing the recorded beyond the rider series, I felt that there was a lot of Harley fat boy jr. As he pops up as a classic example, he, um, 
he was the one that really wanted to go back to the recorded format, even though I was doing live. And when we did that recorded format, it reminded me that that format was very different than the type of work that we were doing before. You know, it, you're not distracted. We were able to dive in deep and really talk about things. And I think that they both have a, a value to it. Um, I will say this, my only concern is, and this is a uh, sort of an open statement. I wonder if live streams are going to have a shelf life at some point, right? Because all of us here that show up and that are names that are familiar know that every day of the week, there's a live stream. So is, is the live stream market becoming oversaturated with that? You know what I mean? And yes, in DDK, that's where I think too. I think it's more fun to have somebody tell their stories, but I wonder sometimes if, there's more value into having a more controlled um, conversation for lack of a better word. All right. So um, I'm going to give you the helm and I'm going to go to the bathroom now. So wait, wait you have the helm. Tell, tell me where you left off so I can at least have a conversation. Um, we were talking about how we all hate professional monkey. The one thirty one's overrated. No, we weren't. We were, we were just talking about whether, um, and you can pick up wherever you want. It doesn't matter. We were talking about whether it matters to have a scripted sit-down interview. Not scripted, but a Harley Fatboy Jr. was one of my last recorded interviews before we did the live. And I was doing lives before that. Of whether people feel that doing the recorded interview is more substance or is it more fun to be a less substance but more hanging out with your friends in the bar kind of feel. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk amongst yourselves. We'll be right back. Cool. Okay. So here's going to be my point of view, I guess, even though probably no one really cares. We'll give it a try. So oh, make sure you tell them to ring the dong and all that stuff too while I'm gone. That's really important. You don't do that. Nobody follow. Uh, as, as long totally as you joking. ring your dong in the bathroom. Um, good night, Paulie. Uh, so actually, while Bri is doing all this live, I am actually doing pretty much the same thing, but scripted and not scripted, but we're doing it pre-recorded. And I actually have a video coming out on Friday about some Ohio guy, which if you don't know, he's an amazing photographer and videographer. He's based over on Instagram and a little bit on YouTube. Highly recommend you guys go and check it out. But I personally like doing the, the scripted, the pre-recorded, just so that way people can actually, it helps them make them look them helps people make them look their best like as i'm stumbling over my words exactly my point for this you want people when you're showing them their their credentials or like you're giving them their elevator pitch you want them to help them look their best when they're being shown to the crowd and then when i'm doing this i'm also showing a lot of their work i'm showing a lot of the things that they do on their channel so it just helps bring more sustenance and more things for people to be interested in. That is my take on doing the pre-recorded interviews. But then when you're doing the live, again, you get all the shits and giggles that are happening and you get everything going off the rails and the sidetracks to where you're getting the more personality. But when you're doing the pre-recorded, you're getting much more of the, I want to know this person. Why should I go follow this person type of thing? You're not getting the personality from them though. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a really good point because you, 
I think you have to find balance. If you, if you're able to pull a story from somebody, I think there's benefit, but I also think it, it depends on how you, um, you consume content. I don't feel like me personally, I would, and I know people do this just by looking at my analytics. I know people watch lives after the fact, but what I wonder is, are they watching the full live or are they just sort of skimming it where maybe an thoughtful engagement would draw more retention. And we have gone off the, I feel sorry for anybody that decided to tune in for motorcycle content tonight. They missed out. Sorry. We let you down. This is a YouTuber comment. This is a YouTuber video. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm a content creator. Yeah. (laughs) Just the great. If you haven't seen Sam Newton's uh, video on that, it's fantastic. Um, So as you, you know, were saying that, sorry, go ahead. No, I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. It's not that important. No, go ahead. I was going to say, so as the like content creator thing, the, another reason, like I have this itch and no one's probably going to watch the video, but I have, I like, since I have this R5 and it can shoot an 8K <laughs> for people that don't know what 8K is, you know what 4K is. It's literally four times the resolution. So it's like a ridiculously high definition picture. Um, can you see? Yes. Uh, so, you can see jump points. So because this camera shoots an 8K raw, I like I, I've never used it, but I want because I have this, I want to do something really high end uh, for the channel. Like I want to do something because I have this tool and it's just so like that's something I want to do. And I think that's something because I have this tool, I want to use it and have fun with it. Just a side note. I don't know where why that, well, I remember why that came up, but no, because I was thinking about that the other day. I I was I was factoring in something I wanted to shoot. It was um, it was nineteen oh three motorcycle polish. They had sent me this polish trap on my bike. Fantastic stuff. We'll get into that another time. And all I kept thinking is it needs that hundred twenty frames per second. Just just once that that like showstopper you know image Mm -hmm. that no one else is probably ever going to notice or appreciate but you're like yeah that one was for me you know what i mean like we we shot a work video and i spent probably 30 minutes filming rolls going around in a rotating oven and i was so obsessed with that shot and i was like look i know how much time we wasted but damn, that's a good shot. You know, wow. it's like it, it's sometimes for me, what excites me is that I'm doing that one thing that I like. Right. Like if, if and you bring up a really good point, think about if every video you tried one new trick, think about what a year of that would look like. So going into that and you also mentioned that 20, <laughs> that's why this popped into my mind. A lot of my um test rides and review videos that I do, I always started out with a, what I like to call epic B-roll section, mm-hmm. just to like really show off the bike. You get to see it. You get to see what it looks like. You get to see all the cool details they include in it. And I almost always shoot that in one in 120 frames, just because it looks good. You're moving super smooth and super slow. And then I'm trying new editing techniques to where I'm doing high tech speed, where I'm doing high speed ramps with 
uh, special transitions and all this other stuff. Just to add that extra little sprinkle to where mm-hmm. that goes back to what you're saying, you need to have that foundation. And do you really need to do the Peter McKinnon level? Editing, <coughs> or do you just want to add a couple little bit of that here and there to where you're adding that little bit of sprinkle on top to bring your video a little bit more to life? Well, yeah. And, and I think that you bring up a good point too, because that's the journey, right? That's how we learn to ride. We learn to ride by duck walking, right? If you use that same analogy, I think it's really important. Uh, somebody asked the edit. Uh, this is the question nobody wants to answer. Um, good night, NC. Um, yeah, good night, NC. Thank you so much for joining the channel. So how much does it take to say one edit of video? I mean, that really does depend. Like if I'm going into my epic B-roll section, that can take me. I keep that to about 30 seconds and that in and of itself can take me about four hours to make. But if I'm doing a 15 minute vlog, that takes me two hours to make. Like it really depends on what type of content I'm making and how much detail I want to put into it. It it just really does depend. Well, and, and, and I don't, I think that's also should be gauged in different ways, right? Because anyone that's um, good at their skill, regardless of what it is, their time to do something isn't going to be your time. You know, it's kind of like the garbage in, garbage out thing. If you nail the lighting and you know how to do something in camera, in pre, in production rather than in post, I think you can limit your editing time. But what worries me in that statement, good night writing. Thanks again for the shirt. I appreciate it, sir. Um, I think what you don't want to get lost in is to think that if I don't edit this video for whatever that equation is, that I didn't try hard enough. Because if I do a talking head video like this, how much editing is going to be, need to be done? Especially if, if in the form that works for me, I don't try to jump cut. I just talk. And if I, if I circle back, I circle back. Mm-hmm. It, it may not, it, you may not get your, don't gauge yourself into thinking of how long something's going to take. I think that might be a bad way to, I don't think it's a bad question. But don't use that as a benchmark as to how much work you should be putting into it, if that made any sense at all. Yeah. Um, To answer that question, does it draw higher views or better metrics? It depends. Honestly, what I see is better is just more of what people are interested in. Just because you do something good doesn't mean people are going to come to you. Like, oh, what's an example? Like, Again, my parents' interview, that was an actually really high production video that I made because I wrote out hundreds, not hundreds, but I wrote out 20 questions for them. I pre-ran them, and then I had three cameras going at the time, and then I had lighting for the entire situation. And then it was hours and hours and hours of on end of editing, and it was also like three hours of video of just an interview with them. Mm -hmm. And I cut that down to 18 minutes. That's a lot to cut down. (laughs) 
just yeah. bring down a point. And so that was probably the most high end production I've ever done, but I only have probably like 150 views on that video. <laughs> and and I guess that brings the point too. Do you feel as you not about YouTube? Do you feel that that video was worth your return? Emotionally, yes, and that's there you exactly go. what we're talking about. Yeah. It's not for the metrics, it's not for it's about what makes you happy when you're doing this. <clears throat> I mean, uh, starting editing tool, boy, that's a good question. I mean, it depends. If you have a Mac, I think iMovie's great. That's how I started. Um, it's simple enough, but it's complicated enough. And then you could always step into Final Cut Premiere if you wanted to make that jump. I work with Premiere Pro. That's what my shop uses. So that was the marching orders. Once I once I got be, beyond the limitations of trying to do stuff that I couldn't make iMovie do, I had to suck it up and jump off the deep end because the only resource I had used Premiere Pro. So from a from a work standpoint, and the marching order was this is what we use. So you're either going to use it or you're not going to be doing it. I mean, there's there's really just no two ways around it. So another suggestion I have is iMovie is really great or there's a couple free editing ones. Um, I highly recommend Think Media. They have a couple videos out on free editing software for PC that especially if you have a PC, but another free editing software is also DaVinci Resolve. That one's a little bit more in depth and there's mm. a little bit more of a learning curve, but that can stay with you forever. As for True. iMovie, you will quickly outgrow that. You will be very good. You'll be able to do amazing things with it. But then eventually, if you're wanting to do higher production stuff, you will hit your ceiling and then you'll have to go learn an entire new program. Yeah. I mean, I, I think also too, something to keep in mind is it's kind of like, we'll, we'll simplify it out of cameras. It's Android iPhone. Whatever works for you. Is it if you're trying to learn it professionally and you want to take your career and you want to put on your resume that you know iMovie, it's probably not going to play out as well as if you know a, a pro level gear. However, if that's not your end goal, use the tool that works for you because we could have the Canon Nikon argument all day long and nobody's going to win. We're just going to talk ourselves into circles. As we said at the very beginning of this, Use whatever tool you have at your disposal. That is yep. going to be the best tool. And don't don't let yourself get intimidated. Don't jump off the deep end if you're not emotionally prepared to do that. You know, because nothing's worse than using a piece of equipment that's actually a detriment rather than being positive. You mentioned 8K. When we got the R6 and I shot uh, full uncompressed or whatever it gives you. I forget the name of it. I'll tell you shooting in 4k i thought my mac was gonna have a stroke i thought they were gonna bring the paddles out for it mm -hmm. however it looks amazing but if you're if you're now tripling your production time because you have to let it render for a little bit before you can even start editing or what have you it may not be the best solution for you and i had this camera on my old computer and let me just say i thought it Pretty much every time I started a project, it would crash. Premiere would just crash on me. And I got so frustrated. I tried to go as long as I could. And luckily, I ordered my computer. And then I went down to Florida for bike week, for Daytona Beach Bike Week. 
and I got hit by so bad of a rainstorm, I lost my computer. I heard that. That's terrible. <laughs> so that was my last moto camping trip. Again, we're tying everything back to the to the to earlier on. It, it, well, it, it, it's like anything, right? And and we had uh, we had talked about this in pre-show. It gets back to where me waffling about my next bike goes, right? Is the and there is no right answer to this, but for me, and I'm learning at my age and where I want to be, the experience supersedes what I did the experience on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you have to, I think it's important that you don't let technology be what holds you back. If, if you, if you, something's beyond your means of using, use whatever is going to help you create consistent content and make you happy. Because if you're not happy, you're just going to quit. And we all know those channels that take off and then they die. Yep. You know, they get going and then they just poof, they're gone. And especially in the motorcycle community, they're endless. Because somebody just got burnt out. You want to know? So I have recently started working in a new editing software, actually. And it's because I'm trying to, I, I like to learn new things. I like to try keeping myself fresh with everything I'm doing. And so I have officially started working in blender. Interesting. Good night, Dallas. We'll miss you, sir. Good night. What is, I've never heard of it. Blender is for CGI animation and, uh, graphic and graphic rendering. Okay. So I'm just trying to mess with it. And so it is literally just, the way I'm de- the way I, I have been describing it to people is imagine you you know the Bible no imagine you have been reading a book your entire life okay or like you've been reading English your entire life just as you probably have you only know English and then someone hands you a book and they say I want you to read this and translate it for me but it's in Portuguese okay you have no idea what any of it's saying, except for a couple words here and there. You kind of are like, okay, I, I know what that word is because that's really close to English. I know what that word is because that's really close to English. But most of it, you're just you're you're lost. That is exactly what Blender was to me. So essentially, you are taking literally a three dimensional axis, and you are creating anything from nothing. So you are saying like you want to create a donut. You first then have to create a sphere in its three-dimensional shape and then you have to size oh and then it build upon it render it out okay yeah and then you're then also so then you go down to the tiniest details of like you then have to build the sprinkles and then you lay the sprinkles on top but they're not right you then have to form it over top of the frosting that you've already created you then have to create the textures you then have to create the colors it's <laughs> so much work it took me i made a eight second I made a 10 second video that took me 12 hours to make. Oh yeah. So you were talking about minutes per hours. Let's let, let that sink in there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, and we, and we've keep circling back to this, but I think it's true. Buy whatever a that you can afford. Don't go upside down for your channel. That would be at least my advice. And we've all done it. I'm not saying none of us listen to it, but also 
you don't need a, I mean, anyone that's anyone in, in any profession can make an argument of why you need X, mm -hmm. but if you can't use X, it's kind of irrelevant, right? It's kind of like why Canon has an amateur line, uh, a prosumer line and a professional line. They're, they're all good cameras for what they are. Yeah. And they have limitations, but the limitations probably are rarely hit by people that graduate from one to the other. So as one piece of advice, I will say that also really helped me. And I will recommend anyone that starts YouTube to immediately do this. If you're thinking about doing it, they have free options already out there for you. And they are both amazing. They both do very similar things. I highly recommend getting TubeBunny and vidIQ. Oh, yes. TubeBuddy's fantastic. I, I haven't played with vidIQ that much. VidIQ, I'm a guy. I haven't played with much either. But the thing I like about them <laughs> is that you can start typing in words and they start auto-generating video ideas for you. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, that helps you just like plate roll the ball in your favor automatically so just they have free options you don't even have to spend a dime but just downloading them and using them it helps you get a head start in the youtube creator field because they're like hey these are the best practices that will help you be seen by more people here are what you should put in your tags according to your title and it helps start putting you in the right direction to give you that little bit of a leap, that little bit of a foot in the door. Well, yeah. And like you said, if you have a thumbnail and a title that are engaging, they're already clicked into the video, right? They're already invested at some level. Mm -hmm. And I know YouTube is coming out with this, but TubeBuddy has it. And do it on a motorcycle is the one that brought it up. Have you ever played with the A-B testing that you can do in TubeBuddy? I, I don't have that level. Yeah, it just just spend the money one day. Just like spend the 30 bucks for a month to try it. I pay per year. That's why. Okay. <laughs> and you just, you just go so down that rabbit hole that it's crazy because it really – so for people that aren't familiar with how the A-B testing works, your thumbnail can be me standing next to a sportster. And then my next thumb, and the other thumbnail could be me standing next to, um, you know, name whatever bike you want, whatever. I could actually change the title. I can actually change the context of the, of the, what the video is about, as well as all the keywording. And it's super cool. There you so go. This is one video I just released. And then same video, just different thumbnail. Yep. And so what it does is it literally, it just does, like you say, this is A, this is B. And it kind of like just goes like, okay, so after two hours, we're going to change it over to B. And then after another two hours, we're going to switch it back to A. And, like, and it keeps forcing that to see what performs better and then once it sees like oh this one's engaging better then it just keeps it on that i had put up my chromeworks video and it, it it did well and i did the a b testing and i think it got it almost up to a 10 percent click-through rate like which for for me for review is high um and it's simply based on presenting people with information that's more engaging and, and where i'm trying to go this to and i think bob is too is if you learn a tool like TubeBuddy, that's going to get you a better return 
than trying to put all your money and time into say gear. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying the gear's not important, but gear's not important. <laughs> so I'm actually curious. Let's talk about this for a second, and then then I'm probably gonna have to call it a night. Um, can can you open up your your YouTube studio? Sure. Okay. What is your impressions click through rate overall? Impressions click through rate overall. So we're going to analytics. Mm-hmm. Impression click through rate is five point eight. Five point eight. Okay. And then, what is your top traffic source? My top traffic source source type is YouTube search at 51.1%. That's good. And then your top external? External is generally Facebook. No, it's Google search at Mm 48.1. And then what's your top YouTube search term? (laughs) For the last 28 days, it's Dixon Flannel. (laughs) Followed by Chromeworks. So I'm sitting at 7.2% through click-through rate, which is pretty good. Now, are you looking at the last 28 or are you looking at lifetime? This is last 28. Okay. I mean, I can do lifetime real quick. Oh, I'm just curious. I, I, I don't know what we're looking at. I'm making sure we're no. looking at the same thing. Yeah. So my, my lifetime is 6.8. Um, YouTube search is also the number one traffic source at 47.2%. After that, it's browse feature at 23.8%, which is something I've been focusing on, actually. I've been trying to get my browse feature up more, um, which I can explain that afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, then top external, Google, which is having to do with the searching engine. Uh, and then top, my top search terms are Road King and Road King Special, which is exactly mm-hmm. what I wanted. So... The reason why I have been trying to get my browse feature is because when I started the channel, I was doing nothing what we called evergreen, evergreen videos. So it would be search terms that people would always be looking for. So like I did a tire review for my tires that I know a lot of people liked on the bike that on the fat bop that I had beforehand. I did helmet reviews that I already had. I did some glove reviews. I did some bag reviews that I already bought for the bike and stuff like that. Just evergreen videos that people are going to be always looking for. They're up there. People can, it will just always be generating mm-hmm. simple stuff like that. But now I'm trying to lean into more the browse feature which, because if you're not trying to get more into the browse, your video is not going to be directed to more people. It's not going to be a more generational thing to where like, oh, this actually per- this person put out a video, I want to watch it. It's not the long, it's not the longevity in my opinion. Like if you're doing nothing but reviews, if you make another review, that person that already subscribed to your channel may not be interested in that product that you put out a review. So thus that product isn't going to get the views that you're necessarily wanting reviews yes i think reviews are a double-edged sword right because my legends video is a is a highly rated review Mm -hmm. It, it, it you can tell when the seasons change you can watch the analytics as it goes up and down through upgrade season but to your point the double-edged sort of that is you may have someone that comes to your channel and goes, oh, man, this was a really great video. that like gave me a lot of in-depth information. I loved it. I'm going to subscribe. 
when's the next time I'm going to do a Legends video? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It may be a follow-up, but yes, that's a really interesting point. I never thought about that or, or, or in that context because if you draw them in with a more shotgun approach, you can you don't have to die on the hill of certain videos. You're you're getting much more long-term subscribers in that sense. And I, I have noticed that, especially because I had the motorcycle crash video, which literally shotgun effect and mm-hmm. the amount of subscribers that subscribe from that video. But I'm I'm still seeing subscribers on the browse feature video that I'm trying to get out there because okay. they're coming up and I'm noticing that more people are staying longer because of that. I'm also noticing that like I'm seeing some people unsubscribe because they came for the crash video and now they want to leave because they're like, Oh, this isn't what I was expecting. Yes. And and I think that there's a, I, I think you need to kind of find yourself a wide base, but then sort of work that base. You know what I mean? Like it, it's the same with you get with your, um, <sighs> I'm thinking of the term and I'm going blank because I'm like you. I'm getting fried. <laughs> um, the Two if, and if a half look, hours. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. But if you look at so if you look at like your your CPM or you look at your RM your RPM, your your revolutions per click per minute, whatever they whatever term they want to use, where people sometimes miss the boat on the opposite end is you could have a very successful video. But if that video is not being targeted to a demographic that has expendable income, you're getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not you're not getting nowhere. I, I don't mean to just frown with you, but let's look at it in a very broad stroke. If you're riding a touring bike, you have more disposable income theoretically than someone that's driving an 883 Sportster because that's a person that's probably going to tour. That's a person that's going to do X. However, the 883 video is going to be who I want to hit if I want new riders. The five cheapest way to to upgrade your suspension on a Sportster. Yes, get a new bike. It's <laughs> <laughs> the cheapest. Well, it's only a monthly payment. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, we, we could talk this to death. But um, this is good. This needs to be another conversation. I really appreciate this. No, man, I appreciate it. Thank you, you for know, having I, me on here. I find it funny and I mean, no disrespect. I love my, my followers to death and they should hopefully know that, but I do find it funny when people are like, but we're not talking about motorcycles. That's the beyond the rider part. Some days we don't stray from that. And some days we just go down the rabbit hole and that's, you know, it's fun. I think it's what makes it fun. I mean, I'm happy to always talk more about motorcycles whenever that time comes. Hell yeah, man. So we're going to, uh, wow, we hit an hour. I couldn't even tell you last time we did a two and a half hour stream. Well, for all of those of you who are still awake in the side chat, <laughs> um, we greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm going to put Fat Boy Bob's. All his links are actually in the description. So please go check out his channel. Um, and, and to make the point, obviously subscribers are great, but please engage if you're going to subscribe. That really does the best for all of us. I uh, hope you guys are well, staying safe. Um, thank you for all of you that entered the Custom Dynamics uh, interview or the review, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a Peace. great night.